This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Crange alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how is it going? As we talked for 25 minutes about our, our impending... Uh, doom and lack of jobs. <laughs> Our pending financial doom. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, uh, it's going great, Rich. Well, it's I'll tell you fantastic. honestly, I I might be in one of the few businesses that actually we had our busiest week. My my shoot job, our busiest week that we've literally ever had in our entire life. Like in the entire company's history, the company's been around for thirty plus years. The busiest week we've ever had this week because apparently everybody realizing that if I can't go to the gym and I can't do this and I can't do that, that I have to work out at home. So we our our warehouse is empty. We have like a, a, a this gigantic warehouse, like a city block. It's fucking empty, Joe. There's nothing left in it. Sold out. We're done taking orders. Yeah, we're just legitimately done taking orders. NWO sold out. It's it's wild. So yeah, I guess I don't know if I have impending financial doom, but it was actually literally the busiest. As everyone's like, "Oh, I'm in my pajamas. I'm bored. I'm like the busiest I've ever been in my entire life." But um. Yeah, you're you're on the opposite side of that, and yeah, many many others are as well, and it's uh, it fucking sucks, man. World sucks. Oh yeah, yeah, it's fucking garbage. Be, it's yeah. fucking terrible. I'm gonna be unemployed shortly. I mean, there's no question about that. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: if you've sold all of your equipment, well, this is the problem that we all kind of came up with as well. Is it's like, what happens now? We've sold everything out, and now what? So, um, luckily, our stuff is made in China, and oh wait, never mind. Damn it. So, yeah, it's a yeah. problem. It's our stuff's not coming back to us. Because usually we say, hey, we need this stuff. And they say, okay, here you go. Well, that's not happening. So, um, you're right. There's a – we're at the top of the, the, the roller coaster, but now the roller coaster goes down. So um. There's there's nothing left to sell. <laughs> right, right. And there's no new shit coming in. It's like, what was that match a couple years ago with uh, Randy Orton? And I forget his opponent, but – um, it was some kind of no DQ match or something like that, and and it was probably against John Cena. Let's be honest. Let's. Uh, I was gonna say it's either Cena or like Seth Rollins or whatever. But yeah, go ahead. Good odds it was John Cena. So he's delivering a beatdown on the outside, and some fan was yelling to ring the bell, and Randy Orton turns to him and he goes, "There is no bell to ring." <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> that was one of the best things Randy Orton has ever done. That's when I started becoming a big. Um... I was going to say Daniel Bryan, actually. It was Daniel Bryan. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that makes it was during the the. Yeah. Okay. So like during the uh, corporate, uh, what they call uh, the authority, the authority, the authority era. Thing. Yeah, I believe it was during the authority era. But that's like you. You're like there is no barbell to sell. <laughs> right. You 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 have nothing. 
left to sell. Right, yeah. Like, as we were starting this call, I had a, a guy that, that reached out to our social media, and he was like, I'm on the phone, and you guys aren't answering. And I'm like, we have nothing to sell you. <laughs> like, what do you want, dude? Like, all right, cool. You can order something, but you're not going to get it. Like, we'll take your money, you know. <laughs> we'll, I'll, you, yeah. can, you can definitely give us $1,000. We'll take your money, but you're not going to get shit for two months. So, we're also, or, like, our state's shutting down, so we actually literally can't. So, um, right. I don't know, dude. And he's like mad at me, and I'm like, I, okay, we'll take your money then. Give us your money. Cool. Like, well, I mean, so patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Very, very fitting right now. Uh, $5 unlocks everything. And, uh, you know, maybe buys a loaf of bread or two. If you can find um, it, there's no bread to be, there's no bread to buy, Joe. There is no bread to buy. It's a good point. Um, I literally got the last loaf of bread last weekend when I went grocery shopping. My grocery store wasn't that bad. We were, uh, I only had like two items that I wanted to buy that I couldn't, and they were hardly vital. You know what I couldn't buy for some reason? Sweet potatoes. You want to hmm. try to explain that one to me? That doesn't seem like a hoardable item. Right, I almost, right, right. I almost feel like that was just happenstance. That like, might have just like, it just so happened that like a guy came in and bought a bunch of sweet potatoes. and <laughs> That made it seem like it was. I feel like sometimes you go to the grocery store and it's like, ah, darn, they're out of mangoes. That's kind of might have what happened there with the sweet potatoes. Right, maybe they're, maybe the delivery didn't come or something like that or, or something. Yeah, I don't think that a bunch of people said, okay, I need bread. I need Lysol wipes. And, of course, can't forget the sweet potatoes. Right. So <laughs> I kind of sweet potatoes, yeah. That one kind of was just one of those things that would have happened whether the world was ending or not. And then uh, there was this ground beef, ground pork blend that I get from the butcher. He makes it special for me. He couldn't do it because he didn't have the the ground pork available. So it was like silly things like that. Like I was able to get – like our supermarkets are not – the only thing our supermarkets don't have like every other supermarket is fucking toilet paper. That's the only thing that like – Right. Mine's the same way too. Yeah, mine's not like – we have a few different ones around here and yeah, they're not wild except for – they're like busy, but you can get most everything. But yeah, like the it's just like cleaning supplies and and toilet paper is the only shit that's out. And who fucking yeah. cares, man? The toilet paper it, thing is so weird to me. I don't get it. And I feel like it's it's not helpful when people take a picture, a close up picture of the empty ramen shelf, right, and then tweet it out and 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 scare everybody that there's nothing in the supermarkets. That shit doesn't help. I really wish people wouldn't do that, but um, you know that's. That's human nature. We're we're fucking we're all scumbags uh, when it comes down to it, and 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 people like to do shit like that. But uh, you know, because I you know I saw all that stuff too, and and I'm someone who tries to remain, uh, you know, calm, and I I don't let things bother me. And even I got a little concerned before I went grocery. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to be walking in on? When right. I well, you kind of there's that there's the hysteria, and then there's the reaction to the hysteria, and there's sort of this weird like hysteria jealousy that you're like well wait why am i not being hysterical or maybe i should get more like you you, you know the, the other day you know michelle and i were at you know at, at the store and we're, we're about ready to like check out or whatever and we you know we didn't have that much and i'm like man do we, do we, i think we maybe we need more should we go back and get more and it was like like we didn't need any more i don't need anything more but like there's this hysteria that you have when you see other people being hysterical where you're like oh maybe we're not preparing enough like maybe we should get more and it's it's like you don't have to i mean we have more than enough food to last us you know weeks so it's and, and and grocery stores will still be open and there's still stuff and 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 whatnot but uh you do kind of buy into it as you kind of look around or you see the pictures and you go well i i better get eggs you know oh my god i'm gonna need eggs like i, I don't need eggs normally like why do i need eggs now but like you don't yeah. really do much with eggs but i'm like oh we need eggs. <laughs> like you know it, it's this weird thing that you 
you know what I mean? Like, I bought, like, ten frozen pizzas. I'm like, oh, just in case. You never know. That's actually not a bad purchase. That's going to work out pretty well. But, um, yeah, you have this sort of counter reaction to the hysteria where you end up being hysteric as well and, and, and go nuts and, and try to figure stuff out. So it's – Well, I just, I just didn't know what I'd be walking in on. So, you know, I went over there, and it turns out they had fucking everything but sweet potatoes. You know, so, you know, and it might be different in different areas, but people were just in there calmly doing their shop. And there was this weird vibe. You know, there's the weird vibe when you go to the grocery store now where people are kind of just, you know, you can sense that something's a little off. But, you know, and then I'm doing my shopping and I'm like picking up a box of Pop-Tarts and I'm like, should I get two of these? And then I'm like, no, why? Right, right, why right I, exactly. Why am I contributing to that? There's no need for that. Like, I need protein bars. You know what? Let me get seven boxes of protein bars. It's like, no, don't. <laughs> just yeah, I'm like, there's a hundred boxes of Pop-Tarts here. Like, why would I buy two? Let the other guy get one, you know? Uh, so... You know, and it's the only time I leave the house now is to go grocery shopping. So, uh, you know, I'm getting set to go tonight. We'll see if I get some fucking sweet potatoes. I just want some sweet potatoes, Rich. Not too much to ask. What do you, what do, you do? So as we, as we go to, to recipe, because, I mean, there's wrestling to talk. But who fucking cares? But uh, what, do you do with your, uh, what, what do you do with your sweet potatoes? Are you a... Uh... Oh, they're versatile. Okay, because I, I do a lot of things with them, too. So I'm kind of curious if maybe you and I can, can share some ideas here. So what do, what do you do with your sweet potatoes? I will take a mashed sweet potato. By the way, there's people mashed... being upset that we're not talking about wrestling. What the fuck do you want us to do? <laughs> we're talking about, we'll talk about zero one in a little bit. Don't worry. <laughs> we have plenty of time. Uh, there's wrestling on the on the docket. I mean, you're going to get the most thorough breakdown of Big Japan and zero one that you can handle. Okay? Yeah. And uh, we'll, t- we'll get to the WrestleMania We'll talk about stuff. 2014 Chicago Indies. Yeah, we'll talk about a TLC match that happened a few years ago. Like we we got you covered. Don't worry. Listen, if there's wrestling happening somewhere, we're gonna find a way to talk about it because, uh, you know, there, Rich, we're what we're running out of wrestling to talk about. Very soon, I, we'll talk about it when we talk about a WrestleMania thing as well. I I, I feel like we're gonna run out pretty quickly in America. <laughs> Very shortly, I think there might be a, a, a stop to a lot of the stuff going on in America. But uh, at least Japan's ramping back up a little bit. So. I mean, you know, you know, they are, but, but they're going to, they? yeah, no, they're going to, yeah, they're, they're going to, I, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of feel like that's a mistake. I do too. Um, yeah. when, when all of these promotions that are running are, are like taking people's temperatures before they let them in the building and handing people, you know, little packets of hand sanitizer and then designating, you know, areas of the building, uh, you know, not letting everyone leave at once. Like letting, if you have to go through that many measures, to run the show, then it's probably still dangerous to run the show. I mean, agree or disagree. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I and I was going to bring that up later as well. And, and it's a, it's a thing that I, I kind of have the same thought of when I see American promotions running and I say, like I was watching GCW, you know, yesterday and the guys are, you know, shaking hands and spitting on chairs and hitting each other with it and spitting in each other's mouths and stuff. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> guys, like, yeah, let's, I mean, let's, you know, let's be careful here. This isn't going to be yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and preach and tell these promotions not to run these empty arena shows. And I'm not going to preach at the Japanese promotions for running their shows with fans. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'm all, I'm okay with that because it gives me something to watch and gives me something to talk about on this show and gives me something to give the paying customers behind the paywall. Um, and, and, and you know, as long as they're all operating under the parameters of, of what these governments want us to do, I, I, it's okay. I don't have a problem with people running. I don't. Yeah, uh, I never, I never problem with the way AEW handled it, uh, which for Dynamite this week. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, 
you know, you're kind of tempting fate with kind of the stuff that you're talking about. I mean, do we really need to be spitting on each other? Uh, now, you, the counter argument would be, well, there's already so much contact anyway. I mean, uh, we're, we're wrestling anyway. And, right, and right, right. Body right. fluids being exchanged. What the fuck is the difference? But it's kind of just an optic thing. You know, at that point, it becomes, you know, yeah, maybe it isn't any more dangerous than what we're already doing. But isn't it kind of like uh, – sort of taunting the public when you when you're taking it another step and you're spitting on each other i i don't know you know AEW is going to do a bloody match you know uh, this week if they have a show if they have a dynamite this week they're going to do the blood and guts match you know and they're presumably going to be bleeding all over each other again i i don't know where i stand on that you know it's on one hand if they're testing everybody and and, and you know cuz we also don't know what these companies are doing AEW and WWE they have the means and they have the connections to get everybody tested. I don't know if they're doing that. Uh, neither one have announced that they're doing that, but maybe they are doing that for all we know. I have no idea. So if you get, you know, 30 wrestlers in a building and you've all been tested and you're all clear and it's, it's a closed environment, uh, you know, who am I to say? But yeah, it's a little icky watching these guys spit on each other. Yeah, like you said, it's kind of the optics of it where you're just like, yeah. oh man, like it's 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 you know, I enjoy that you guys are sort of saying, you know what, hey, in in, in this, you know, everything that's going on, we're gonna still provide a product to you. But yeah, doing like you know, and it <laughs> the GCW thing, it was it was Jimmy Lloyd and and, and uh, Matthew Justice, and uh, they were serving Coronas at the bar that they were running at, of course. Uh, so Matt Justice. Got a, uh, a a bottle of Corona, chugged it, and then spit it in Jimmy Lloyd's mouth, and I was just like, man, <laughs> like ah, you know, Corona, it's, Corona. yeah, it's I so hilarious, <laughs> yeah, hilarious, bit. and it's that's like, funny. it's one of these things too, yeah. where maybe it hits a little closer home to me too, because like as it's as I'm watching this, I'm getting you know a call from my wife saying, hey, we're running out of masks at my place, and there's a bunch of people that are positive, but we still have to go anyway. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, Jesus, like you know, what I mean, yeah. like the optics of on one hand, I have somebody that's working at a hospital that's running out of masks that t- is taking care of positive patients, and then on the other hand i'm watching a show where dudes are spitting corona in each other's mouths and i'm like man like it made yeah. me feel like even if maybe it shouldn't make the, you know it, you know it's just one of these things where i'm like oh man like, yeah shit. <laughs> i mean and, and it's like i'm watching dynamite this week and then it was a great show i mean they they handled it they nailed it man we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit i mean in terms of like empty arena they they got the template there they knew how to do it but i'm watching it with this eerie feeling of you know, in a week or two weeks or three weeks, are we going to look back at this as what the fuck were they thinking? You know, wow. Can you believe that AEW and Game Changer and some of these other places were actually still running shows? Mm-hmm. Is that going to be our feeling in two or three weeks? I, I think you it know? very well could be, but I do wonder as well. And this, this is, I'm not, this is just, I'm not, it's, it's slight conspiracy theory. It's not anything that I know or whatever, but hypothetically say that somebody they, they did the show and let's say somebody from AEW, whatever whoever it tested positive and they and they, and they had it. do you think they would even announce it or would they just kind of be like "Ooh, okay never mind we're not gonna run any shows let's just not say anything about it let's just kind of move on because because that feels like it could it could happen and then if they did announce that it would lead to a lot of issues in the terms well, of like what what the hell were you guys thinking like why are we, like of course that was going to happen of course somebody was going to test you know positive for it so whereas like maybe maybe it still does happen but they just say okay look um hangman page or whatever you know hypothetically just 
just we'll keep low, lay low. We'll, we'll we'll isolate. We'll just not do a show next week or the next a few weeks after or whatever. Let's just not say anything because the PR backlash from that, like you said, could be huge. There's not much else to concentrate on. So if if the news can concentrate on pro wrestling decides to still run in light of all everybody else canceling and one of their members tests positive and spreads it to the entire locker room or whatever, that's bad optics. It's terrible optics. It is. I think like we talked about last week, though, I think pro wrestling still flies under the radar because mm-hmm. it's just trashy, uh, you know, white trash entertainment in the eyes of of the media. But there's no question. Once an AEW or WWE wrestler test positive, both companies have to completely shut down. And that's exactly what's going to happen. And Someone is going to test positive in both of those companies. I mean, it's a given. It's going to happen. It's a, it's an absolute mortal lock. So it's just not a question of if, but it's a question of when. And then when it does happen, you have to shut down at that point, which is why I think WWE is very smart in that they are basically taping their WrestleMania matches right now and doing it ahead of time. Right, which I, I'm surprised they – I was surprised they didn't announce they were doing that. I think that was always the plan, even if they didn't outwardly – Say it. That's a hundred percent the best idea. Do it when you can. Oh, yeah. Because you have no. I mean, God. Right. As we're recording this, like literally, as we started recording this, you know, Illinois announced a total shutdown. Like that's coming for Florida. That's coming for most yeah. of these states are going to eventually have it. I mean, Florida's spiking in terms of uh, of cases as well. So that shutdown is coming. So you get get everything in the can as quickly as you can and and, and figure it out from there for sure. The, sh- the shutdowns are coming, and someone testing positive is coming, and then you have to shut down. You have to shut it down. So it's like. WWE is doing the right thing. They're getting as much in the can as they can, mm-hmm. including getting WrestleMania, uh, you know, uh, pre-taped before, you know, the two-day WrestleMania. Because remember, last week when we did the show, none of this, nothing was canceled yet. WrestleMania wasn't canceled. WrestleMania weekend uh, wasn't canceled. We, you know, the the indie groups and the you know the collective and WrestleCon and and Gabe were all waiting to see. Uh, you know, uh, we were still sort of in that weird limbo, but a lot has happened. A lot happens every hour, let alone every day. Let I was going to say that week. feels like eight months ago that we had that conversation about the Indians. It does, which is why I say, I mean, as soon as fucking Kip Sabian, okay, test positive for this thing, AEW is going to have to shut it down. And I think they realized that because they were very careful with their verbiage. They were not saying next the next week. dynamite, the next dynamite. Next dynamite. <laughs> So if they have to shut down for a month or, you know, because once one person tests positive, basically they have to quarantine everybody for the 14 days, right? Right. Exactly. And then and then whoever doesn't have symptoms or whoever, then hypothetically you can bring those people back and start doing your TV again. But you have to shut down for two weeks because everyone who's been in contact with the person who tests positive, which is every – Rich, they had everyone at Dynamite this past week. And when I'm watching it live, I'm thinking, oh. This is smart because they're probably taping all through the night and all day tomorrow. They own the building, right? Florida's not shut down yet. They're taking advantage. All they did was tape one dark. I think WWE was very smart to tape ahead. I don't know what the fuck AEW's thinking. They had everyone in the building. Do we know that they didn't, though? Because that that's... I that's that Because that was my Are exact question. Are they lying to people then? Because I have no idea. Yeah, they're telling... They haven't, I mean, then... Then at that point, you have to say, okay, then Tony Khan and everybody else, they're lying to Dave Meltzer then. Right. And I don't see what the point is. Um, You know, because the spoilers won't get out because it's just your people there. Okay? So if you're concerned about that, I, I just 
I guess they're choosing to go at this week to week, and that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You had everybody there. They should have been taping all day, went live, then taped all night, then taped all day the next day, and got as much possible in the can before everybody hit the point of exhaustion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would have taped from 11 a.m. till, yeah, like you said, 10, and then say, okay, sorry, guys, you know, thanks for coming by. Now we're good for another month and a half. What, two what months, are you yeah. taping dark for? Uh, I mean, yeah, why are that you made even... no sense to me either. I was kind of Here, surprised. Here's what you do. You do, you tape three or four matches that are totally non-canon involving your undercard people for dark, and you show one a week. Dark is now a 20-minute show, and it has one match. And the match is like Peter Avalon versus Kip Sabian every week. I mean, what are you doing wasting your time? The, the, you, this precious time and the precious resources you have right now because you because things change by the hour. And you took – you taped a dark? That – you instead of taping next week's TV? I really can't understand the mindset over there or what they're thinking or why they're handling it the way they are. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I would just be getting as much footage as possible mm-hmm. on tape. Well, I think and, the, what's and, so weird too is there was a bunch of guys in that show that were just like there, like MJF's just there. And that's like, why I thought. That's why I thought. That's why my thought was, oh, they're taping everything because which is, I, which is why I kind of think they. But you're right. What, what's what's the reason to lie to everybody and say that you're not doing that? Why is Tully Blanchard there? Oh, you know, geez. it's like, yeah. well, and I don't even mean from the perspective of why were all of the older people there? Because do we really need? It's like. Forget that Tully Blanchard and Jim Ross and Jake Roberts and, and Tony Schiavone and whoever else I'm forgetting are in the higher risk, at least from an age perspective, right? Um, forget that for a second. That's an entirely different argument, whether you want to protect those guys. And on one hand, you do. On the other hand, Tully Blanchard and Jake Roberts and these guys, they're grown men too. And if if they insist upon – we don't know the conversations that went down. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody called Tolly Blanchard and said, hey, Tolly, you can sit these out. And Tolly said, fuck you. I'm coming to work. And it's like, well, okay, I kind of get that too. You know, maybe these guys don't want to feel like, uh, you know, they're being sheltered. So I, I don't know the conversation. But just from the perspective when I, when I brought up Tolly, it's like, why do you need him there if you're only doing this week of TV and he's just going to be one of these people, uh, you know, sitting around the ring and, and – you know, it's like you don't necessarily need as many people there as they had. It, it, it that's why I was stunned when I found out they didn't tape anything ahead. Mm-hmm. Because I just figured if they're all there to the extent that you know people who aren't even being pushed and people who you don't need to be there were there, then I figured they must have. I figured that they were going to put stuff you know weeks and months right. ahead. Well, because you're at the point now where I mean, like we said, you know, last week felt like eight months ago. Like remember last. Last Wednesday, Dynamite was in front of fans. <laughs> you know what I mean? A week and two days ago, they were in front of fans, a full arena. <laughs> you know, and and a week later, now like you have no idea what the next week's going to bring. So I'm right with you. I was stunned. I and part of me still doesn't believe it because I know that there's smart people back there and there's smart people running that company to the point where I just I can't fathom they didn't tape other stuff. I could see what you're saying. Like, how do we know they didn't? But again, you're right. There's no reason for them to lie. I mean, when, when yes. asked, they're saying that they didn't. So why would they say that? To me, you have to explain to me what they gained by telling. People right. And I have no, I have no answer to that. So, and, and I, I don't, I don't understand. I can't work out what would be gained. You know, if anything, they'd be praised for, you know, because you can get positive publicity out of that because you can say, oh, well, we're only bringing our people together once. And then we're sending everybody home just to hang out, and then we're taken care of for the next 
X amount of weeks. And then we'll cross that bridge when we get to it when all of the footage we filmed has been used. But we brought everyone together once and now everyone's home and safe and we've got six weeks worth of footage or whatever and it's the best of all worlds. Like that would look good. You know, I don't think it's a – like we're praising WWE. Yeah. For doing that. And I'm not – you know, I'm actually – and I know that they've said that they're doing it this week. I wouldn't be shocked if last week they already started doing some stuff. I mean, you had Taker there. You got Styles there. Why not just tape that match right then? Yeah, just do the match. Right. You, you had know? Baszler and you had Becky right there. Boom. There you go. Tape that And match. then send them home. Right. And, and then you're done. Just... We don't need Undertaker anymore. Go back to Texas. You're good, man. Becky, you're good now. Go back to wherever you need to, you know, whatever you need to do. do like, you know, yeah. When when they're there and the, their opponent's there, boom. Get them in there. Get them in that thing. Throw a fucking WrestleMania on the video board. Have them do their dopey little match. Send them away. And then, yeah, you're good. Then don't come back. We don't want to hear from you for, you know, another month or whatever. Well, I mean, let's transition to WrestleMania then, because we're, we're so we're just gonna. This was all the sweet potato talk here, so we've we've missed the sweet potato talk. Do we want to go back to it later? Uh, listen, uh, it's versatile. You know what I was gonna say? Yeah, go ahead. I, <laughs> we, we got interrupted by this stupid wrestling, but go back to the, the sweet potato. You know, I would much rather eat a mashed sweet potato than a regular mashed potato. Oh it God, just yes. I hate better. mashed potatoes. Hate mashed potatoes, but mashed but sweet potatoes. I, I do too. But we'll mashed talk. sweet potato, I could do that all day. We're, we're kindred spirits okay. there, so. You can you can uh, do you have an air fryer? Uh, I don't, but I'm going to acquire one sometime soon. I've you, heard you, very good things. I do have a my oven apparently can can air fry things, so I'm going to try that out over the next. Uh, I mean, you could, you could do it in an oven too, but you thinly slice a sweet potato and you stick it in the air fryer for you know 15 minutes, or stick it in your oven even little. Uh, if you're going to do it in the oven, okay, a little bit of EVOO, a mm-hmm. little of the extra virgin. You put a little extra virgin on there. Uh, seasoning of choice, you can go with the paprika. You can go with a little cracked pepper, cracked black pepper. You know, you don't go heavy on You know, you bake it up. It's beautiful. Oh, it's yeah. Delicious. I do. I, I make like diced. I make like diced sweet potatoes and I'll put the them in the oven. works. Yeah, I'll Absolutely. put them in the oven, drip, drip, you know, drip them with uh, the olive oil. I throw whatever, I, whatever I'm feeling at the time. I'm, sometimes I do half and half. Like half I'll put like, you know, crushed red pepper or paprika on it. And then the other half will maybe just do straight up salt and pepper just a little bit. And then, yeah, let it, let it, let them get a little, you got to let them get a little crispy too. A little, get a little dry, a little crispy. And that's where the air fryer would, would come in handy. Then take them out. And yeah, they're fucking fantastic. Yeah. That's why I mentioned the air fryer. Cause you know, but yeah, little, little crispy, but it's easy to overcook though. Especially. I fucked up many of them. Yeah. Where you're like, ah, yeah. two more minutes. You come back and they're fucked <laughs> after those Girl, two black minutes. Black on yeah. the bottom. Right, right. Like, God right. damn it. Tastes like shit. But, uh, another good sweet potato, you know, you know what I like to do? I like to get a nice skirt steak. It's not very expensive because yeah. it's real fatty. I'm, you know, big you skirt, a skirt, I'm, a, I'm a big skirt steak guy. Big skirt well. steak guy. Yeah. Slice it, the skirt steak, you know, long ways. You get the nice slices of skirt steak. Uh, put it out on the pan. Green beans, get some fresh green beans. They're like a dollar, dollar twenty-five a pound. They're yeah. cheap. Okay. You cut off the ends. Um, That's the part I hate to do, the cut off the ends. It takes fucking like, it takes like 10 minutes, and it's such a pain in the ass. I hate it so much. I love green beans. But, God, it's just like those 10 minutes of my life. I'm like, motherfucker. Everybody, like, dink, dink as you're cutting them off, you know, one by yeah. one. You're like, fuckers. It'd be nice if they were all the same length, and you could just do them all at once. But they're I never sometimes do that. Length. You know what I do? I sometimes yeah. just do that. When I get annoyed, I'll, so I'll start out the first, you know, five minutes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, do one by one by one. And then I'm like, all right, I just grab a big handful and I try to get them sort of like all in the same. And I just Line rip up. them. And like some are half, you know, ripped. And the other, I'm just like, whatever. I'm just fucking done. Yeah, you're <laughs> sacrificing a quarter inch right. on I'm half. like, you know what? My life is worth, you know, not. It, 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 I don't have the time for this. You know, now I do. Yeah. Now I'll probably dice every fucking one. So oh, you got plenty of time. <laughs> Cut the ends <laughs> right. off green, green beans now. 
So you get the skirt steak and you slice it thin. Now you marinate the skirt steak overnight if you really want to go all out, you know, and, and whatever you want to marinate it in, that's up to you. I use like a Worcestershire sauce and then uh, um, some other, uh, some more different spices. Uh, you know, I have my own little marinade that I do, but you don't have to marinate it either. But anyway, you get the skirt steak, you get the uh, the green beans, you lay them out on the pan, and then like you're saying, the diced sweet potatoes. Okay, not too big. You only go maybe you know quarter inch on the dice too. Just some diced sweet potatoes. Then you chop some fresh garlic. I know Rich doesn't like to chop the garlic, so you probably no. We, we figured out there. we got we got a garlic uh, chopper. It's really good. We there we bought go. like five of them, and they all sucked. And then we found this one, and it's fucking perfect. It immediately just chops it all. It's per- it's ideal. So yeah, we don't we're we're down to chop garlic again. So see, I don't mind peeling and chopping the garlic. It brings me back to the old country. You know, I don't <laughs> the old country. So You're you know, New Jersey. <laughs> Yeah, the old country. That's what I mean. The old country. So, I, I, you know, you don't want to go back to your old country, Joe. I'm telling you, right now is not a good time for the old country. So, nah, Texas is way better off than New Jersey. Oh, I meant not Italy. Even... I meant Italy more than anything. Oh, Italy. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean the real, the real old, old country. country? Yeah, where? Yeah, fuck that. You yeah. don't want to go uh, there right now. No, no, they were uh, they were too busy chopping garlic and laughing th- laughing things off, and uh, you saw what happened to them. But. um so yeah, you you dice the garlic and then you just sprinkle you again the EVOO, get the olive oil involved over the beans and the and the sweet potatoes and the skirt steak. Then you sprinkle the fresh chopped garlic over the top. Okay. You bake that at about 375. And and the time depends on how much steak you have out on there, you know. But you bake it at about 375. You you get the you know, once those uh beans and the sweet potatoes are soft. And the steak is at a nice medium, medium well. You pull that out, Rich. It's delicious. I highly recommend yeah. it. So I, I usually, I usually have the steaks like on the grill, and then we're doing the the, the, the beans on like a frying pan or whatever. But I like the idea of uh, putting it all in the oven, one plate, one tray. That's not a bad one idea. One tray, one tray. Then you get the spatula. You know, the wife gets one half, you get the other half. You know, you don't have to worry about plate presentation in the home. No, God although, no. Although I do. I was gonna say you probably do, Mister Restaurant Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My plate presentation is exquisite. Even at home at like 10, 15 at night after the kids are finally asleep, you just want to go to bed. She's just starving to death, but I'm there like putting parsley leaves on <laughs> right, the plate perfectly placed to make sure leaves. it looks good, you know? And, and she and, just devours uh, it in four seconds and then puts the plate away and goes to sleep, right? Yeah. 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 And then it's just, <laughs> you know, you know, I don't even, I don't even get like, oh, like, like, in the beginning of the relationship, it was all, oh, let me take pictures of this for Instagram. <laughs> right, 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 right. I want my friends to see what, what this man of mine uh, puts together. And that, no more. It's just like you said, it gets devoured in 30 seconds and she goes to bed. And um, I eat alone in the dark by myself. <laughs> and uh, sorry. sorry for laughing at that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, but um, look, she gets up at 5.15 in the morning. So yeah, she's got no time me- to be fucking around with your parsley place exactly (laughs) so i can't even be upset about it you know but yeah that's some sweet potato ideas but anyway uh anywho rich back to the wrestlemania um i can't even believe they're doing this i mean what the fuck is the point you're not a pay-per-view business anymore you're sacrificing an enormous gate um I, i i really don't get it i mean is it just like bravado is it to say we're everything else in the world is canceled, but I'm Vince McMahon. Damn it. And we're having WrestleMania. Is that really what the point is here? Because I, otherwise I don't see a point. Does he really think that millions of people are going to be so bored that 
they remember that pro wrestling exists and they're going to order this show because if that's the angle, he's fucking delusional. No one's ordering this thing. I'm I'm at a loss as well, and 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 there's been a lot of different debates about this of of, of why it's still going on, why they're doing this, and, and one breath is okay. You don't want to delay everything. You don't want to delay all these stories until you know May or June or July, whenever the hell things get back to normal, or whatever. And yeah, I why get not? That. Why I don't get it. Why well, not? I get it on one breath, but the other breath that I do is I'm I'm somebody who really cares about the branding of stuff, the names of stuff, the history of stuff, and the idea that WrestleMania is going to be the blow off of these big feuds and all this sort of stuff done in an empty arena. Cause let, let's be honest. We saw Friday. We watched Monday. Empty arena wrestling sucks. The way WWE presents it absolutely fucking sucks. It's awful. Well, it's listen, unwatchable. It's garbage. They, they, it's absolutely they need, garbage. They need to swallow their pride and copy what AEW did. Absolutely. And I'm very curious to see if they, if they, they do that, but, they, but they anyway, don't change a thing. They haven't changed a thing I, in 25 years. Like, listen, AEW had the advantage of seeing what WWE would do first. Because that first SmackDown and everything. I think there may have been two WWE shows. Was there a SmackDown and a Raw? A uh, SmackDown and a Raw. Yeah, there was the Friday SmackDown and then the Monday Raw. Both both yeah. were empty arena. You know, so Khan and all his boys had a chance to sit back and go, okay, that didn't work. That kind of worked. That totally sucked. And, I, and, and that was a huge advantage that AEW had, right? And they went out and presented. I don't think you can do empty arena wrestling better than Dynamite uh, did it. Better than AEW did it for Dynamite. But I'm curious to see if now that if they learn from each other and WWE kind of steals from that playbook because you're dead on this, this, the atmosphere of this WrestleMania, if it's anything like Raw and SmackDown, which, by the way, they even concede sucks. Oh, after after Friday, they realized it fucking sucks. Monday was as bare bones as you can be. And I know moving forward, it's there's going to be one match at most, if that even. Yeah, because they even know that it sucked. They knew that that SmackDown sucked. Uh, you know, with the live matches and the promos are weird. You got to be real careful with the promos. It comes off like high school drama class. It's really bad stuff. Like that edge promo. I saw people praising that. Maybe I'm on an Island. I thought that was the corniest shit. It was just without the fan. Look, WWE promos are corny to begin with. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, a lot of the WWE promos are this, and they all kind of follow the same cadence and the cadence is for fan reaction at certain points. That's how they teach you. You you say ba 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 ba, and the crowd's gonna go boo or yeah. But they still do those cadences even though there's no one there because they're fucking robots. Yeah, they're robots, and the, the the work is the same way too. And that's that's what's been uh, what to me was even more glaring on Friday, and then uh, to a lesser extent Monday. Even though you know Monday really didn't have anything, is that you need to from the top down say, okay, guys, whatever way we've been working or the whatever way we told you how to work, don't do that. So so you're, we're asking a lot from WWE. We're asking them to change their camera angle that they haven't changed in fucking thirty years. Change the way they work. Change the way their promos are uh, the cadence of their promos. Like that's not going to happen. Like the work in, in WWE, the work towards the hard camera, the work towards you know the crowd or you know make sure the person in the back rows you know all that sort of stuff that they all say and everybody kind of follows and does and the same sort of dive to the outside and get ready for you know the commercial break and all, all these things that they do you can't do that anymore that's all got to change if you want to make this thing sustainable in empty arenas i i agree and and the, the god that edge promo it was so corny it was hope no one walks in the room oh dude, so i want I, I turned raw on during i think it was the undertaker segment and I turn it on, 
and Michelle looks up from her phone or something and goes, what the fuck is this? This looks so bad. And I'm like, I know. And I just like turned it off. You know, it's like, and then I get yeah. a text from my mom on Friday. I, got, I was getting texts from everybody on Friday because I think there, nobody was nobody knew what the hell to watch. So my mom said, what the hell are they doing on SmackDown? This is terrible. And I'm like, I, I know. And then I have like, you know, my, my brother-in-law saying like, this is really weird. Like, I don't like this. Like, none of those people are going to come back. You, you know what I mean? Like, none of those people are. And that's the problem with the WrestleMania. Everyone's saying, oh, it's an escape from the issues that we're having in the world. And oh, my God, it's an escape. It's like, is it really an escape to watch a really bad show in front of no people? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, we have people in our Twitter mentions saying, ah, it's just why you got to be the way you are. I just want to forget about things for three hours. Are you? Can you really forget about them? In, <laughs> no. When you're constantly reminded because they're in the empty performance center, you're constantly reminded of what's going on. There's not an escape. It's a constant reminder of the fucking shitstorm that we're in. So I don't. I don't understand that mindset either. I don't. I don't really see any of this as an escape. It's all you, you're. You're watching this with what's going on top of mind because they're in this position because of what's going on. You can never forget. You can't escape from. Maybe if you fucking watch a movie. Or or, or, or or binge a show on Netflix or something, you can escape. But these wrestling shows are the furthest thing from an escape. <laughs> right, exactly. They're, they're glaring neon signs of what's going on. There's yeah, next, no next to the news, yet. next to the news, they're the least escapism you could possibly have yeah. uh, during this time. So, yeah, it, it, it's so – and, like, my, my thing is, you know, if you wanted to say, oh, we don't want you – know, what are we going to do with these feuds from then on or whatever, if that's your argument, I'm, I'm okay if you want to run a show to have Drew – McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar. You want to run a show to have Shayna Baszler face Becky Lynch or whatever. It's fine. I just wouldn't call it WrestleMania because to me, that name now forever is kind of associated with this weird show. It's just such a weird branding thing to call this WrestleMania when it's not. I mean, it's 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 other than being called WrestleMania, it is not WrestleMania on any level whatsoever. No, it just isn't. It, it, it's not going to have the fireworks. It's not going to have the. It's not going to have any mainstream appeal. It's not going to have any of this sort of stuff. It's going to be a pathetic show. Which you know, whatever they want to do it, I'm going to call it what it is. It's going to be a pathetically boring show in front of no audience with a bunch of people that are worried about their lives and what the hell is going to happen. I mean, these guys, the wrestlers, can't possibly go out there with the full energy and the full attitude and the full excitement to what they're doing. They're they're doing a match in front of no people on a Tuesday afternoon that they have to record because they have to get back to, you know, find out if their, you know, city's going to get shut down or whatever. Like, there's no way it's going to be the right frame of mind. So if you needed so badly to have these feuds blow off or whatever, which, again, I'm with you. I Like, I, I understand why people say that. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with it or whatever. But if you so badly want to say, well, what are we going to do with Drew and, and Brock in the five months? What are we going to do with Becky and Shane or whatever, whatever other matches you have? If you must blow these matches off and have this thing, just have it be a special. Just say, hey, WrestleMania's canceled. The WrestleMania is delayed, but we have a live special coming up. Da 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 da, whatever. Fastlane, whatever the fuck you want to call it. You, you know who cares? Do with that, the, but I, with, the, with the same matches, you mean? Right? Yeah, but I think yeah. I, for me, calling it WrestleMania, just like because now forever, this WrestleMania will be associated with that show, and it's yeah. so. And, and this is a company that I'm kind of surprised they're honestly doing it as well. I'm really surprised, especially Vince McMahon, because he is a guy that I think more than anything understands public perception. And, and branding and that sort of stuff. And he's always been top of mind of wanting his his stuff to look and feel a certain way. So I cannot believe that he is fine with WrestleMania being an empty arena. Well, well that's why I say, is it just a fucking dick-waving thing for him to say, not even a global pandemic can stop my WrestleMania? Is that the angle he's going Maybe, but I mean, it is, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, know, you're, I know you're trying to think in, in his head, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that's the mentality of it. I don't. I would love to know who in that room is for this and who in this room is against it. 
Well, they're all for it because he's for it. I guess, yeah. That's. I mean, you know, it's. But um, but you you mean if if they were injected with truth serum, who would be for it? Right, 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 right. Who who understands that having a WrestleMania, you know, this way taped days in advance and and stuff. If it's me, look, no one knows what's good, what the world is going to look like in a week, let alone a couple of months. But if it's me, I'm not burning off all of my money mat, my top money matches that I've built towards. I'm not burning off the WrestleMania name on this on this garbage. I'm not doing it because I, I first of all, I don't believe they're they're going to do these tremendous pay per view numbers. If I, if, you know. If that's the thinking, that's fine. I think they're wrong. Yeah. I don't think Joe Public is going to go, well, I'm so bored I'm going to pay $60 for a wrestling show. And then when they then when they watch it, they're going to be like, what is this shit? Well, no and that's fans. what I'm saying. Like that, that the idea that like it's it's an escape or it's an outlet or whatever. It is a bad show. I mean, if you watched Friday Smackdown, if you said I have nothing else to watch, I'm going to watch Smackdown on Friday, would you ever watch that again? If you were, if you were just a casual wrestling, or not oh. even, a, if you were just a casual person saying, "Oh my God, there's nothing to watch," let me turn on Friday Night SmackDown. Right? W- would you ever watch wrestling again? Nah, it's a hard watch. It's and awful. It, it, and it, and it, it, it made it like for the reasons we talked about, it made wrestling come off even worse. Like, it, picture a common person watching that Edge promo. It's like he's like that fucking drama nerd that we all went to high school with, trying out for Macbeth. That's what he was like out there. It was so cringe. You know, it's it, it's like he it was an audition for the fucking high school production of Bye Bye Birdie. I'm waiting for him to break into song and dance and start tap dancing. Like he's doing these dramatic faces and these turns and he's like a trained actor, but nothing looks cornier in that setting than like a trained thespian, like doing trained thespian shit mm-hmm. in an empty arena because it's almost like he's auditioning for one guy sitting in the back with a clipboard. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's just so bad. Right. I think uh, the, the the John Cena, Bray Wyatt stuff went viral too. I know I saw a lot of people that even have nothing to do with wrestling being like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> like, look at this. It's so weird. And uh, one thing that, that people remarked that I never really thought about until I, I saw those tweets were like, you know, why are they holding microphones still? <laughs> it was so weird. Cause it, and it's right. It's like one of these things that if you don't know wrestling, it's think of like, weird. think of like, yeah, as you said, John Q public or whatever that turns on Fox and watches these guys cutting like a promo against each other and they're holding microphones even though they're standing two inches from each other and like again we know why they're doing it we understand that because that's kind of pro wrestling whatever but like if you're not watching that and you think you're just going to turn on a show and there's these guys with microphones talking to each other even though they're two inches from each other yeah you know what i mean it's one of these things but again that's another thing that just like the casual fans are gonna or the, you know the public is gonna watch this and go this is ridiculous i'm not gonna watch this again yeah, you know. Because it is. Got, I mean, it is ridiculous. Processing's stupid as fuck. Like, it's so it dumb. Is, it, 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 yeah. We got Edge out there auditioning for Kaniki from Greece. I mean, what are we What are we doing here? You know? Um, you know, the Cena thing was great. Like, the Cena thing was great because it was like um, a work shoot promo, and he was, like, making fun of the whole Fiend gimmick, and he's like, why are we focusing on this doofus when there's, you know, great young wrestlers that we should be focusing on? And it's like, he... And that, but it totally fucking fell off the rails when, like the fiend. I'm sorry, Rich. It was Bray Wyatt. It, it was, yeah, yeah. He, he it was Bray Wyatt that night. He's like leaning over the guardrail with his with like his his chin on his fist. Like, oh, that's so interesting, John. And then they did this corny ass fuck, and it it it, it ruined it. It's so bad. But 
and, and, and it's like the problem with these promos is they're they're like you said before they're not changing the way they're doing these things so it's like they're still behaving as if there is an audience but there isn't one and that's why when cody came out on dynamite his was so much better because he was just looking into the camera mm-hmm. and addressing the audience addressing you yeah the, these guys are still addressing the camera or addressing the An fans or addressing the yeah the audience or addressing the guy that's in the ring with them whereas yeah Cody was looking at you the audience and saying okay people that are watching at home I'm talking to you and then that fell off the rails when the rest of the elite came out and they started play acting with each other that would have worked in front of a crowd it did not work with no crowd you know even though they were, they were more willing to break the fourth wall, and, and you even had Kenny Omega saying, "Look, I don't even know if we're going to be here next week," and I, you know, even you know, it, it still came off. It just didn't work, and I think that they can learn from that too. And and they didn't do any other promos on Dynamite, and I think that they are either just going to completely scrap the promos or stick to one guy talking into the camera to the audience, because from everything I've seen from both sides. That is what worked the best and didn't – that didn't come off corny at all when he was just talking into the camera um, you know, and, and, and addressing the audience. Everything else they've done, whether it's Dynamite or WWE, has come off really eye-rolly and bad. And I get it. That, look, we're all learning here. These are the most <laughs> extenuating circumstances possible. I mean no one could possibly <laughs> that's, that's know That's a term, right? Extenuating circumstances? I think is that – is that the official WWE term for it? I thought they used it a few times. Um, well, I wasn't even trying to be cute. I oh, just... I think I, – what was the one they used? They used one on Friday that's clearly like the the one that – oh, I forget what it was. Because oh, they can't address what's happening. No. <laughs> this, is a, this is a – you know, you got fuck face – you got face fuck Phillips out there. <laughs> right. Dude, that's a real throwback. Got... That is, yeah. Don't tell, new, don't tell new, people. Let, let people figure that out on their own. Yeah. No. New listeners are like, why are they calling him face fuck Phillips? Well, <laughs> dig into the archives. Classic episode. Chappin' Chappin'. Um, so we got face fuck Phillips out there. This is a very special episode of, of NXT from the – and it's like – look, AEW didn't go out there and give us the fucking rundown on the latest of fucking COVID-19 either. But they at least addressed that there was something else going on in the world. Cody, the whole thing saying, you know, we can't be held down by fear or whatever the fuck he had to say. And then, you know, Omega saying, look, I don't even know if we're going to be here next week. Uh, that was addressing it without necessarily addressing it. That was not, you know, just pretending you're in this fantasy world and we're doing this from the PC on purpose. You see, this is this is for you, the fans. This is something special. No, we got put in this shitty situation. Why, like this, this total fear of addressing that? It's not their fault. It's nobody's fault. Right. We're all in it. It's it's not like you're different than anybody else. I mean, everybody literally is in it. Every if you're a human on this earth right now, it's it's affecting you in some way. So, And it's these little things about WWE that drive you nuts. It's like they can't even just – God, they can never just let that weird fucking veneer they have down. Right. He's not going to lay down for some fucking virus, Joe. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to let a virus stop us. It's infuriating, honestly. I mean it, it, it's crazy, you know? Um but just say something. Say due to world events, just address it in some way and show us that you're real humans and not pre-programmed robots that cannot deviate from the script. Rich, I was I was praying on my hands and knees 
that the Miz would get a full entrance on SmackDown so he could do this, <laughs> the twirly that. spins and the points and the fucking pointing at the non-existent crowd and spinning. <laughs> I came to play. Get on your knees and pray. You know, I, I was I, I wanted it so bad, you know. <laughs> but 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 they but him and Morrison were already in the ring and then they did their yeah their fucking dirt sheet gimmick or whatever yeah the dirt sheet and you know don't look in the cat you still can't why can't they just say all right look I know <laughs> until this is over you can look into the camera we're gonna change the way we do things they can't do it they cannot fucking that's do what it. you're saying like oh they need to do this they need to do that like I mean they do but will they I I I, I honestly have no no confidence that they're gonna change what they do. Yeah, they, I mean they're gonna have to, I think. Unless I, it's gonna be so weird, man. I, I I don't know what the future holds for them. I mean this this WrestleMania is gonna be so bizarre. Um, and I'm just with you. The financial aspects of it, uh, more than anything, is is using that name and that name alone sells tickets and sells eyeballs and all that sort of stuff. And you're you're gonna do that for the and like you're saying. The, the idea is, I guess the 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 million dollar idea is that okay, well people are gonna be so starved for anything, they're just gonna buy WrestleMania. I, I don't. I don't, I don't think it. they are. I really I, don't. I, 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 I honestly, and the more this goes on, like I know that people are sort of looking, but I think more than anything, people are are just trying to get away from all of it and just maybe even not watch anything or just go for a walk or or watch the news or something. Like I feel like no, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll be wrong. We'll see. I mean, it's not like the the ratings were better, but they weren't like an explosion of ratings. You know, I, I don't know that people are just, and especially I don't know if in a month's time people are really going to be in the mood to say, you know what. Gosh darn it! I'm gonna watch some wrestling. Like I, I don't know. I we don't know. We have no idea. Maybe they will. I but this presentation is gonna leave a lot of people disappointed if it's gonna be a four hour show, a two day. I mean, it's a fucking two day show now oh, at this point God. too. Which is like, can you imagine like two days of this? God, I know. I know. With Gronk? Oh, you got Gronk though. So I mean, hey, that's the thing. I'm just thinking from a business perspective. Why not wait it out? Why are you gonna burn off? Goldberg's appearance and Gronkowski's first appearance or whatever. I, I guess he's appearing on Raw today, or SmackDown. Yeah, today as we record this, I think he's going to appear on SmackDown in a few hours. And, and, and you're burning off, you know, the uh, the the Charlotte versus um, um, a Rhea Ripley match and all of these matches that you've built that presumably are your money matches. Now, we can get into a discussion, Rich, as to whether we truly believe that these are money matches, but – that's not really the point today. The point is they think they were money matches because this is their WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So why are you burning off those money matches and not making any money off of them? From a business perspective, if I'm in the room, my advice is let's just wait it out. And it's like if the counter argument is, yeah, but this can go on for fucking eight months. Okay. So it, it, maybe it will. Right. Let's okay? see what happens in May. In May, say, okay, look, this shit's not going to get better. Fuck it then. Yeah, but even then I wouldn't burn this stuff. And I right. get it. Well, then you have to leave your storylines hanging. No, you don't. Do whatever you want on TV. You know, it's like, you know, and if at some point you do feel like, okay, we got to shit or get off the pot with some of these stories, then you take. But but listen, if you if you look at the timelines of Japan and Korea, they've got their pro sports leagues up and running again. Japan, like we just talked about, they're putting fans and arenas to watch shit japan never stopped putting fans in arenas. big japan never stopped doing wrestling in front of fans okay if you're if you you know it's like but you know now we have other promotions coming back in japan and and you know there's talk that new japan will come back on the 31st of the month either with limited crowd or full crowd possibly closed arena too we don't know yet but it's like if you follow those timelines they are ahead of us in the timeline they had it first so we have a template to work off of Okay, so you could say hypothetically in 
six to eight weeks from when it all started here that maybe we can start getting back to normalcy to some extent. And maybe you can have a WrestleMania in a smaller building or in some way draw some money off of it. So from a business perspective, that's how I'd be viewing it. I would hold off on it. I don't get burning it off and doing this weird bullshit version of WrestleMania and and making no money off of it as opposed to just waiting it out because maybe in three or four months you can put it back in a football stadium. We don't know. Right, so right, right. What's the harm in waiting? I don't understand. What is the harm in waiting? I don't see any downside other than, well, gee, then we have to slap pause on this Charlotte Rhea Ripley issue. And, oh, God, I mean, is that really a big deal to keep that hot? I mean, you know, and again, if it drags out to the point where you can't anymore and you have to burn these things off, well, then you do it. But I don't understand the point of rushing into this and not giving it some time. It's well, a but it's a bizarre decision to me. Yeah, it's and, and the other part that's strange too is like you're, you're saying, okay, well we need to we need to have the the Drew McIntyre Brock Lesnar thing come, and we have to have Rhea Ripley beat Charlotte or whatever. Well, then their wins are going to come in the most lane. Like, who gives mm-hmm. a shit that Drew McIntyre pins Brock Lesnar in front of no people and oh, holds listen. up the title with a bunch of pro, of pyro going off? It's going to be the dumbest, dorkiest looking thing ever. And it's and like it's that not is going to get him over. Yeah, that's you're, no way to start a push if that's actually what you're. If you're thinking, okay, well we can't keep this going like we need to blow we need to get this going while the, you know stoke while the iron's hot or whatever a the iron's not hot anymore i mean the iron is stopped for everybody's nobody's hot everyone's cold as fuck like you know what i mean like it's just yeah. it's not gonna work now it's not gonna work whatever but like yeah the idea that you're gonna have this dude throw a claymore kick on brock lesnar and pin him in front of no people hold the title up and a bunch of pyro is gonna go off it's not like okay well now he's ready he's a made star because no i mean that it's gonna come across so hokey and so lame it's just a terrible way to start that 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 entire thing. So that's a great yeah. point. The payoffs are going to stink anyway. So why why go through with it? I think they absolutely have to change some finishes. I mean, I think you'd be better off. Okay, if the plan all along was Drew McIntyre getting a clean win over Brock Lesnar, center of the ring, to try to give him a god's honest, genuine megastar push. I don't think you can do that anymore. I think you're better off doing like a DQ finish. And holding off on it. Right. Make it a SummerSlam and, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and do SummerSlam in a giant fucking football stadium or whatever. And then do and then give him his win there. Because I think it actually would do more harm to crown him in that environment for the reasons you're saying. It's not going to get him over. I don't think Drew McIntyre is getting over anyway. But that's a conversation for another day. But that isn't going to work. That's not going to make him look like – It's not. none of these people are going to look like stars in this environment. So if the idea is to get new people over – I mean, you can do John Cena versus The Fiend or something in this environment, and it doesn't really matter. But yeah, in terms of making new stars or getting people over, yeah, I, it, you're going to have to – I think they're going to have to really reexamine the planned finishes and, and maybe move in other directions. And I really don't think doing non-finishes or DQs or shit like that would even be harmful in this scenario. So it's like – I mean, I doubt they're thinking that way, but I don't know. I, I – you you nailed it, man. I'm just picturing that in my head, and I'm like, what does McIntyre get out of that? It's nothing out of that. And you really feel bad for the Rhea Ripley's of the world who, you know, they get the opportunity to work a WrestleMania and make that giant payoff. Let's not forget about all that. How's that going to work? These pay, I mean, these people are all losing their payoffs, presumably. Um, you know, and and a, and a huge moment in your career and everything, and and you know, your first WrestleMania is this. I mean, how good is that for morale? I mean, right. just for, for morale. You know, it's like, why are you putting the the wrestlers through this shit? You know, it, I, 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 I am very much 
100% anti going through with the show in this manner. I so think what, what would you do then? So you would, you would delay this until off. whenever. So yeah, yeah you're, you're going to say, Hey, let's wait it out and see what happens in May. And, and WrestleMania is delayed. We right. don't have a new date or venue yet, but WrestleMania is delayed. And then you can just, you know, you build your TV around that for a while. You know, it's, um, a lot of these matches just came together anyway. Yeah, well, the, the thing the is, just came together a week ago. Right, right. And the thing is, okay, like you know, the idea of okay, what are we going to do with our TV? What are we going to do with our TV? I mean, at a certain point, the TV is just going to kind of suck and just be nothing anyway. So it's almost like the way I would sort of approach it is like I don't care that the builds. You know, we can't keep building Drew and Brock. Well, you know. And, and we we saw that on Monday. They just fucking showed a Royal Rumble. They just said, fuck it, we're going to show an old Royal Rumble. Like, I think that's just what they're going to do. They're going to pr- tape a little bit of things here and there to at least have some some new content and then throw up an old match or throw up a bunch of promo packages or whatever. It you got to just get through these few weeks. You know what I mean? Like, just realize that they're going to suck. Realize that they're not going to be any benefit to anybody. Just do your obligations. Do your live TV obligations. And, and, and yeah, don't worry about, well, how are we going to keep, you know, Rip, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte hot? Well, no, it's not going to be hot, you know? It's not going to be hot right now. In no circumstance is it going to be hot right now. And and the 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 issue or what you have to kind of understand or or I guess have to decide is we either just blow it off now because we need to blow it off now and we feel like we need to do that before we can move on to new things. But what are new things are you moving on to? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what else yeah. are you, once once WrestleMania happens, what's next then? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing then? So why not just keep building WrestleMania? Yeah, it, it, that's kind of where I'm at as it, as well. And it's I, like. When all this shit comes back, I mean, you know, if baseball comes back on fucking July 1st and everyone has the go ahead and we're all sit, Rich, those buildings are going to be fucking packed. People are going to be swinging from the fucking uh, rafters when shit comes back because we're all dying for shit to do. You do a WrestleMania in fucking July in any building in America, you're telling me you can't draw. Don't draw fucking. You go to fucking the biggest building you can find because you're going to need the room. Okay, it's gonna be packed. So you save all that shit, and then you draw a monster fucking gate off of it. I I don't get it. This is so dumb to me. I I I really don't. I've 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 seen some of the other arguments, and I don't buy any of them. I I am so against this. It just makes no sense to me. You hold it off. You run it in fucking Dallas and Jerry World in fucking July, and you draw a hundred thousand people to this thing. And then when Drew McIntyre hits that Claymore kick. It, it, he gets that extra boost. You know, it's like there's 100,000 fans. Wrestling is back. Everyone's feeling good. There's a new babyface world champion. Yeah, he fucking saved us from the fucking virus and Brock Lesnar and everything else. Now you're cooking with gas here. I don't know. But instead, you're going to do it in an empty fucking performance center. You know, with, with, with face fuck Phillips behind the desk. Standing and clapping. One guy. That's how you're going to do this? It just doesn't make sense. It's shooting yourself in the foot for no reason. It does no harm to wait. Yeah, it, it's uh, more than I like. I'd say if you if you really if they in the room they truly truly believe that they have to blow these things off right now and it needs to we, we need to do. I just I wouldn't call it WrestleMania. I just think forever now WrestleMania is kind of sullied with this, and it's not your fault. You know what I mean? It's like there's no nobody's going to blame you for it, but I think it, it, it's just going to be. It's gonna you're gonna point and laugh at it later, you know, when you're running down every single year of WrestleMania. I mean, WrestleMania's got such a history, 36, 37 years, all that sort of stuff. So, but now you're gonna have this one WrestleMania that's like, oh yeah, remember they did a WrestleMania with no fans? Like what the fuck is that? And imagine the if you wait, imagine the atmosphere. Right. 
Life is back. WrestleMania. You want to talk? Back. You want to talk about Russell, You know, Vince McMahon, giant balls, bravado. I mean, yes. nothing more than the second that the U.S. says, "Okay, events can start again," and Vince McMahon goes, "God damn it, WrestleMania!" He's out there, yeah. you know, screaming while everyone goes nuts or whatever. Yeah, we're Fireworks back. And, yeah, right. And flyovers and geez, I'm getting into McIntyre winning. Just thinking about <laughs> right, that, yeah. I, I don't even like the guy. You're doing the countdown. <laughs> I, 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 you know, you're standing and pacing five, four, three. Yeah, two, like I, I could get into that. Like, I, like I don't even. It's like the guy, and I'm thinking, of, I'm, I'm running that through my head, and seeing him standing there with the title and Brock all fucking laid out, and I'm like, that's a great moment. It actually makes it better, you know, to hold off and wait. You know, it's like we waited through this fucking virus, and you know, a third of us are dead. But here's WrestleMania. <laughs> right, yeah, all your family's like, dead. Not yeah, if you but, have jobs, but goddamn, yes. take your take your minds off it for yes, nine hours, back. nine excruciating hours. <laughs> And everything's back, and wrestling's back, and 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 WrestleMania is here, and then all the fucking baby faces win, and it's just fucking phenomenal. That is the play. That's the play. And honestly, I don't care how long it takes. Wait it out. Because shit, if it takes longer than three or four months, we're so fucked that it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> right? No one's gonna give two shits anyway. Yeah. Okay. If 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 it takes longer than fucking July. Okay, then we're so fucked, then this conversation is completely pointless. If, if, if we're talking about, oh, well, what if it takes a year? Well, then we're all going to be fucking dead. Okay, let's be honest here. So it, it just, it just wait it out. God, I didn't think I'd have high blood. I didn't think I'd be so fired up about this topic. <laughs> know, I'm standing. <laughs> I'm standing and pacing in the because de- I'm in the den. I'm in the den. And I'm standing and pacing talking about this because the more I think about it, the dumber this is. I hope they still do. Like my, my dream scenario is that they still try to make it like as WrestleMania as possible. So it's like the new day comes out and their entrance takes like 15 minutes or whatever. And you know, there's, there's pyro and there's like a stupid band that nobody wants to hear. And it's just like, Oh they're God. doing bad, bad comedy. That isn't funny. And... Right. I hope it's just, if they're going to do it, just do it so bad that we can just sit there and laugh at about it. But yeah. Um, We'll see, man. Yeah, there's God. They're throwing pancakes to empty seats. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we know it's coming. We know it's coming. Yeah. Oh God. Jesus. Wrestling. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, can he really go out there and be like, "Don't you dare be sour"? Can he even <laughs> say that? Well, I think they're gonna try to do that, but that joke's gonna only land like what? Like they did with Stone Cold, where he said, "Give me a hell yeah," and then they cut to the you know the empty chairs. You can do that every so often, but you can't do that. Like, the, the entire show, they can't do that. You know what I mean? Take but they're going to. It's off and feel the power. I mean, you can't. It just it all falls flat anyway. You know, even – are people even ready to watch this shit? That's – you know, honestly, that was my thing that I was going to say. And, and that's why I brought up a little bit earlier is, like, we all think that people are ready for escape and ready to do all this. But I said people are ready to, like, just, like, disconnect entirely. I mean, those ratings were, I, I thought that the ratings for, for Raw and SmackDown and for everything, any little new thing that's been out there would just explode. But people are just like, I don't know if they're just fucking falling asleep at 5 p.m. or just sitting and crying in their rooms or what the hell's going on. But people are not really like, they're not watching this shit like we think they're going to watch this shit. Rich, every time my boss calls me, I think he's going to be like, yeah, we got a severance check for you in the mail. It should be there in a couple of days. We sent a priority. Like that's – you know, like I think a lot of people are in that frame of mind as opposed to, man, I really need a two-day fucking WrestleMania extravaganza to pull me out of this. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, are are, are we really ready for that? I, I, I don't know. I mean, people, a lot of people are different. You know, I, I'm sitting there listening, you know, waiting for a call from my wife to find out what the hell's going on with her. She's going to even be able to come home today. You know, yeah. you, you got a wife who, who's working at a bank, same deal, you, you know she's touching money and talking to people and doing that sort of stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's so uh, touching a lot of money because everyone's pulling their money out of the bank. <laughs> Good. <laughs> she's in charge. She runs the vault. Oh boy. Bank. Oh, so she's been busy. I'm sure. Yeah. So she has to make sure that there's enough cash on hand for stuff. Like that's all her responsibility. She's done nothing but order money for the last two weeks from like the fucking reserve or however it works. Cause I don't, you know, don't tell her, but I don't pay full attention when she's talking to me. But it's like, because everyone's taking all the money out of the bank. They're clearing out their accounts, which is like, seems a little crazy to me. I mean, I don't know. Would you rather have it under your mattress? I I, I don't know. The people think the banks are going to collapse. Um, they will if everyone keeps taking their money out of right, them. Right, yes. We, we have a precedent for that, that if you all take your money out, yes, the banks will collapse. So. Right, you're, you're contributing to that. Uh, right. by Maybe doing- don't do that. Maybe just keep the money there and... Uh, but yeah, so again, you know, there's a, a lot, a lot of reasons to me why this is very uh, short-sighted. And at the end of the day, I really do believe it's just because Vince wants to wave his dick around and say that nothing, nothing can fucking stop me. I, I'm going to have my show, and I think even at the expense of of costing himself money, which I mean, a lot of fucking money. He's he just wants to wave that fucking MacMan cock. So he wants to do. So he's doing. He's waving the cock, Rich. He's a genetic jackhammer. He can he can do that. That's right. He's got the great yeah. friends. But uh, I was I was happy to see because at this time last week we were talking about the Indies and all that was going to go on. I mean, make no question, they still fucking lost their asses at WrestleMania weekend. But it looks like little by little they're recounting, or, you know, recouping some of that money. Russell yeah. kind of appears to be recouping some of the money that they had. And GCW looks like they're doing okay. So um, I. Yes, I, it's like they're not good. <laughs> I can't be like happy. I'm glad that they're only losing like a hundred thousand dollars as opposed to you know two hundred thousand dollars. But um, yeah, it, it is. It's still a bloodbath, man. It 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 really sucks. Yeah. They took beatings, but they're not out of business now. You know, right? Like it felt like last week at this time, or even when when WrestleMania decided. I think what was, what was that? Maybe Friday or Saturday, whatever day that yeah. WrestleMania officially moved to the Performance Center, quote unquote but didn't get canceled and the state of Florida didn't cancel them or whatever. It was like, Oh dear God, these Indies are just going to absolutely fucking. And, and thankfully people stepped up and, and places stepped up and businesses stepped up and said, okay, no, here's your money back. Here's your deposits back or whatever. Cause it like when, when WrestleMania just moved and the state of Florida was just like, ah, well, Hey, we have nothing to worry about anymore. Like that was like the death knell. Like though, if those guys weren't going to get their money back on deposits or this sort of stuff, fucking death for high spots for GCW for all those. So it's good to see that they're, you know, going to survive this hopefully, but yeah, it's still unfortunately hard to get too excited about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, WrestleCon got their money back from the hotel. They got it back from the New York Yankees. They got it back from a couple of different, but yeah, I mean the airline money, you're probably never seeing that. I mean, they're all getting credits, but um, you know, credits aren't the same as getting your money back. Um, So yeah, there's still money lost here. But compared to what we talked about last week, it looks as though they're all going to survive. I mean, WrestleCon is already talking about running L.A., you know, and, and, and moving forward with that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, 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 it all ended up working out at least as best as we thought it could. They were never going to recoup everything. Um, you know, the wrestlers lost all their bookings. But like we talked about at the top, there's a lot of promotions running these empty arena shows. And a lot of them are, you know, basically wrestler benefits, you know, collecting donations and 
and whatnot um, from fans to keep the wrestlers going, uh, at least get them uh, some money with all of these canceled bookings. Because um, a lot of these indie wrestlers who, uh, you know, do it full time, you know, they, they, they make enough to do it full time, but, you know, they weren't exactly banking hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings. for Right, right, right. So, so these people are in, you know. Well, the weekend living... warriors aren't doing very well either. I mean, let's be honest. You know what? It's, no. whatever your job is, but especially the full timers. Yeah, it, the full timers. They're living weekend to weekend, booking to booking, and you know it's 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 always a very hard decision to decide. Okay, I'm I'm gonna. It's scary to say I'm gonna do this full time now and quit whatever my shoot job was, and it's it's it, and and when those bookings just completely dry up for. Whoever, however many months this is going to last. I mean, and it's not like, you know, real jobs are hiring right now. So it's like, you can't just go out and, 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 and get a job. I mean, business, it's the opposite, you know, unemployment is climbing. So, you know, it's, it's, they're going to do these empty arena shows until government agencies tell them they can't, you know, to try to help these wrestlers out. Um, so, that's ugly, and a lot of these wrestlers who had seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve WrestleMania weekend bookings. For some of these wrestlers, it was going to be the best weekend of their life. I mean, let's be honest. And I'm not going to name names because the point isn't to throw people under the bus or, or mock them, and I don't want it to come off that way. But a, but a lot of these indie wrestlers who are peaking right now in popularity and star power, who don't necessarily have signable futures. You see what I'm saying? It's like this would have been the biggest weekend of their career. Right. You know? And um and 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 there's just a ton of wrestlers who um were just they're at the peak of their indie star power right now. You know, whether it's your Danhausens or Alley Cats or you could run right down the line, um, where, you know, there may never be a scenario where they're hotter than they are now where they get as many bookings in one weekend as they would have on this one. So that's a terrible situation for all of those people, you know. Uh, regardless of whether I like their matches or not, that's those are two. Yeah, right. We don't want people. Yeah, I don't want them bankrupt and you know and, living off yeah, the, I, the streets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who gives a shit if I think Alley Cat stinks? That's not the point here. The point here is, as a person, it sucks that she lost out on all. You know, I, I have a ton of empathy for that. You know, whether I like her matches or not is immaterial. Who cares? Um. You know, so, you know, there, there's that factor, too. And, and that's why I think that's why I say, like, I'm not like one of these people who's at the fucking shouting from the rooftop that these empty arena shows shouldn't be happening. I mean, as long as they're within guidelines that are laid out for us today and everything changes on a day in, day out basis and, and it's doing some good, go ahead and do it. I, I have no problem with it, you know, and I've seen some wrestlers say. I want to make sure it's the right guy, but I'm pretty sure AJ Gray said, I live with my grandfather, so I'm not taking any of these bookings. Right, exactly. You know, because I got to go home to my 75 or however old, you know, my grandfather in his 70s who raised me, and I'm not going to put him in that precarious position to where I might bring something home to him, you know? So yeah, you'd never be able to live with that, to, to, to make 30 bucks at a, you know, a, a show, and then you come home and, you know, you infect your grandpa and he died. You know what I mean? Like you would never be able to live with that. I don't don't want to get that wrong. Let's make sure that that's it. I'm pretty sure it's AJ. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. I mean, you Uh, have to be careful of of who you live with or, or, or or what you do in your free time or, or maybe where you still have to work. You got to be mindful of that too for, for wrestlers, which, which again, I mean, some of these wrestlers 
aren't interested in taking those bookings, and I respect that too. I totally respect Marco's stunt. He didn't show up to, to Dynamite. Wasn't feeling well, so I'm not going. No problem with that. No problem with indie wrestlers who choose not to take these bookings. You know, but I have no problem with the ones who do either. You know, if they're feeling healthy and they're not direct, don't feel like they're putting people in danger and they want to go out there and, and, and make something of this before it potentially gets worse, before it gets better and everything's within the guidelines and there's less than 50 people or whatever the guidelines are in these municipalities that they're in, I really don't have a problem with it. Um, I know some people do. I do not. All right, Joe, uh, anything else on uh, on WrestleMania or <laughs> modern wrestling? That's I mean, Japan? you know, as we know, about half of the people will listen to this in the first 24 hours. And then the other half of our listeners, usually it trickles the rest of the week, you know. And by the time – so that means by the time that half of the people listen to this, so much news <laughs> going to happen and change. <laughs> right. So I don't see the point in spending like another hour breaking down – WrestleMania and where we're at because honestly, Rich, I can put down my fucking headset when we're done and find out that they've canceled this whole WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, but, but tomorrow at 5 p.m., Florida can say, ah, we're shut down, so nothing else can run. I mean, that, my, my company was all, all business ahead until an hour ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we just yeah. got emails that said, okay, never mind. Actually, nobody coming to the office anymore. So, you know, yeah, yeah we had no preparation until a minute ago, <laughs> you know, an hour ago that, that, that this was going to happen. So, yeah, you, who the hell knows? Two days ago, it was full steam ahead, our busiest day we've ever had. Now, today, we're, we're closed for the foreseeable future. It's like, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen? So, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's another aspect, too. I mean, um, you know, a lot of wrestlers who would have gotten a ton of exposure for the first time WrestleMania weekend, that's all wiped off the table, too. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there, there, there's a lot of, you know, it sucks. We all know this all sucks. You don't need me to tell you that, but, um, you know, I, I, it feels like last week's podcast, like you said, took place eight years ago and, uh, and next week's, this one will probably feel like it took place eight years ago. Yeah. You know, we could be coming on next week talking about how dynamite, you know, someone got the thing and, you know, dynamite won't be fucking is off the table for the foreseeable. And it's just, you know, it changes. It really does change by the hour. It's crazy. All right. So let's move on to a little bit better, more fun topic here. Uh, we are bringing, so typically reserved for Patreon, typically reserved this for Patreon, but given the, the circumstances going on, we've decided to move this to the flagship, at least for this week. I, I don't know what we're going to do moving forward for this. Uh, but one of our more popular segments ever on the flagship, one of the more popular segments on our Patreon is Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other very difficult name to very difficult concept to understand but essentially what it is joe and rich recommend matches to each other is that joe and i recommend matches to each other and then we watch those matches and we talk about those matches so got it it's oh, asking asking me if i got it I, I, hypothetically to the listener i'm asking them if they got it. i know you get it i'm just asking the listener i'm talking to the audience i'm doing the wb style yes. thing you know and looking for say, the audience reaction go ahead can i say this i recommended a match to you that was like pretty much universally panned at the time. And when people saw that, a lot of people were saying, Oh, why are you having him watch that? He should watch that Walter main event. Cause it was such a great match. The point of this segment is not Joe and rich recommend the greatest matches of all time to each other. That's not the point. We try to pick matches that we think we could have good conversations around. So 
I want people to really understand what the what the bit is all about. You know, sometimes they're going to be great matches. Sometimes they're going to be terrible matches, and it's going to be all points in between. But when I like I, one match, I thought uh, that I recommended to Rich at one time, and you can listen to it behind the paywall, patreoncom slash wrestling. I think I gave you an Owen Hart Barry Horowitz house show match. Yes, from uh, from Los Angeles, and not because again it was one of the greatest matches you were ever going to see just because I thought there would be interesting talking points that we can discuss about that. It wasn't Owen Hart. It was technically the blue blazer. It may have been the blue angel. I don't even know if he was blue blazer at that point, but um, you know, so the point here is it's, it's not just great matches that we like to do here. It's just matches that have interesting jump points for conversations. So um, I guess we should talk about now we tweeted out the two matches that we picked, right? So, oh, we did. Yeah, yeah. So the two matches were uh, Eddie Kingston and Keith Walker uh, from AEW. That was my pick. It was November 29th, uh, 2014, which you can watch uh, AEWondemand.com, promo code AAWFAMILY. You get your first month free, so that's a cool thing they're doing. And they're uploading a ton of shit uh, on YouTube as well, AEW. So great opportunity to, to watch some stuff there. And the second match, so that was my recommendation to you, and your recommendation to me was Mark Andrews, Eddie Dennis, Progress, Chapter 76, Hello Wembley. And that's actually available for free, that entire show. Uh, on uh, uh, Progress's YouTube page as well. So nice and easy. You can watch both those pretty easily for free. Yeah. So, and that's kind of also why we brought back the segment because we're running out of, uh, you know, first run wrestling to watch. I think we're all running into that problem and who knows what's going to happen. But a lot of these promotions have been very gracious in putting out a ton of free content. I mean, we see it everywhere. And uh, maybe... We could expose people to some of these subscription services and and and, and some of these places where you can uh, watch some older wrestling because uh, that might be all we're left with uh, sooner than later. But uh, what match do you want to start with here? Um, it's up to you. Uh, we can do either way. You, so you make the pick here. So I think what we do is um, first uh, we explain to the audience and 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 to uh, to the other person why we chose the match for them. And then we let that person talk about the match and give their impressions of it. I have no idea what what Rich thinks of my match. Let's just start with that match then. Okay. Um, so I picked Eddie Dennis versus Mark Andrews from Hello Wembley, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. I picked that for Rich, and I also made it a point to tell him to make sure he watched the pre-match video package along with the match itself. And the reason I picked that match for Rich is number one, I knew he never watched it, and I knew he had no idea what happened in the match, uh, which which I assume we're going to get to in a minute. The unfortunate circumstances around uh, <laughs> the match itself. Yeah. Uh, so I knew he'd get a real kick out of that, and we could have some fun with that. And I also picked that match because I thought the build to the match and the video package would be something that would be right in Rich's lane. He loves that shit. So I wanted to see if that would resonate with him or not. So I know it resonated with me, the whole, the whole build to the match, the former tag team partners, and then uh, Eddie Dennis doesn't feel like he's getting the respect he deserves. He thinks Mark Andrews is, is, is selfish, and he's sick of Mark Andrews paying attention to his dopey band. He attacks him at the concert, uh, you know, and, 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 the, and the, they're a popular tag team. They end up splitting up. They're not friends anymore. There's... It, it, it was a few to me that that uh, that felt real and it felt uh, legitimate. And, and I thought the video package captured all of that very well. 
And I really think it was the feud that that uh, that took Eddie Dennis on on sort of the new career path that he's been on now, where he's become one of the top promo guys uh, in the business, in my view, and uh, is doing pretty well for himself on uh, NXT UK. So, Rich, uh, first, what did you think of the video package, and then uh, talk about the match, which you knew nothing of. Am I correct in my assertion that you knew nothing of the match coming? Yeah, in? I didn't. I, I knew that it was. I, I remember that event being a big deal, and I remember that match being something that was kind of talked but about. You never watched the show. I never watched the show. Yeah, and 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 I actually had never seen that promo video either. I just heard heard people say, "Oh, that's a really good promo video," and "Oh, uh, the match didn't quite live up." But I didn't know the specifics of why the match didn't live up to you know. It's it's. Yeah. And I remember I edited the review you know for that we had on the website. I think Arnold Furious wrote that one for VoicesWrestling.com, and I went back after I watched the match and said, "Okay, do I remember reading any of this?" And I don't even remember reading it either so uh that helped a, a little bit as well that i had no frame of reference for this whatsoever i know eddie dennis i know mark andrews but otherwise yeah my frame of reference was was zero for, for this one which makes it all that much better yeah and i'm curious too because uh you weren't like a regular progress watcher so you really didn't have any kind of connection to the fsu tag team either so i'm curious if uh you know the the the, the uh the video package and the build to the match uh, moved you in any way, considering you were basically coming in 100% cold. So what did you think of the video package? Yeah, the video package was incredible. I couldn't believe it. Went, it was very long, and there was a point where I was like, okay, maybe it doesn't need to be as long as it's going to be, because it, it goes on for like, it's legit five minutes, but it's really good. It has you hooked. And and, and Eddie Dennis is, and, and you picked, Joe, you know me too well, because you know I love a good promo. I love a good video package. And this is one of these things. I mean, this is a talk you into the building type of video package. And Eddie Dennis is such a talk you into the building type of wrestler as well. And as we'll talk about in this match, like, very often he doesn't live up to those expectations that you might have uh, going in. But this is one, like, that guy, his promo style, the cadence that he talks with, just the way he sort of sells a story and sells his personal life in those stories as well it's it's so good and and as i'm watching this one it all hits home it all resonates it's a very simple easy to understand story these guys are in a tag team and he does feels like he's the one that's being left out you know mark andrews they come out to his music he comes out first you know he's the one that gets the pinfalls he's the one that gets you know all the accolades of his band or whatever and he does is fucking sick of it so he just turns on the guy beats him up and, and and wants to prove that no i'm i'm the better of the two i deserve the spotlight and how could you not resonate with that story how could you not find that story you know some and and you could you could go either way on it you could either think hey eddie is being the right he is in the right here because yeah mark andrews is hogging all the spotlight mark andrews is all that or you can think oh he's just bitter and emboldened or you know no this guy's an asshole fuck this guy so it's cool in that sense that you can sort of take it whatever way you want whether you're on eddie's side or you're on mark andrews side but yeah the video package was awesome I mean, it just went down to everything you needed to know about the story went into deep detail about everything about the story and more than anything, it's just like Eddie Dennis, man. I fucking there's nobody I like more in terms of like maybe Eddie Kingston is the only guy we're gonna talk about in our other match. Maybe Eddie Kingston is the only yeah. other guy that can talk me to the building more than Eddie Dennis can. The problem is both those guys usually don't. When I watch the match, I'm usually a little bit underwhelmed by their match, but they will still every single time get me to go. Okay, no, I gotta watch this match. I can't wait for this match. And and that is extended to NXT UK too. Eddie Dennis, I fucking love Eddie Dennis' promos. I love the character. It's just the work never feels like it really lives up to to the promo work, unfortunately. Yeah, so uh, I had a feeling the video package would work for you, even coming in cold and even maybe not being someone who watched all of those tag matches with those guys. But they the, the video package was so great. I mean, it laid out the motivations of, uh, of, of both guys. You understand why Andrews is annoyed with him. You understand why uh, Eddie Dennis, you know, because remember, Mark Andrews was one of the original NXT UK guys. 
he was that core group of four who they first brought in. And uh, so this is, you know, before Eddie Dennis and the rest of those guys were, were brought into NXT UK. So there's that part of the grudge that they played into also. Uh, there, there weren't all of those bad feelings towards progress yet for completely selling out to WWE. So there's a lot going, there's a lot going on here. But yeah, uh, you know, I yeah, thought it- I, there was one. There was one part that not not to interrupt there, but there's one part where you know Eddie Dennis puts down Mark Andrews and puts down WWE, and the crowd boos him. I'm like, oh man, like little do you guys know what's yeah. coming over in front of you? Because at this point, it's like, no, this guy's an asshole. WWE's good. They're helping us get exposure. It's yeah. like, oh boy, don't you guys? <laughs> like, little do you know what's going to happen to your fucking little Brit rest <laughs> in another year, but. Um, yeah. I did find that funny that he's like, ah, fuck WWE, and the crowd's like, boo! <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Or now yeah. he'd be the biggest fucking you know, face in the entire uh, company. You know, Eddie Kingston came out recently on, on that One Progress show, what was it, last month or whatever, and basically cut that exact same promo and got, you know what I mean? Like, well, they're still kind of they're still kind of booing him a little bit, which is a little weird on, on the XW thing. But yeah, no, it, it's, it, it was a really, really cool promo package. If people haven't seen it, go out of your way to definitely check it out. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think Dennis... Um was hurt for a while, but he would show up at progress shows just to taunt Andrews too. So there was a lot too, that didn't even make it into this extremely long package, but it was a really hot feud. And it, and it was second from the top, which shows that, I mean, this went on after the Pete Dunn, Ilya Dragunov match, which I think directly preceded it. And, um, you know, it was, it was the semi-main event on the biggest show in the history of progress and, and, you know, running the huge building. And I loved just the aesthetics of that show watching it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it just it was like, uh, you know, indie wrestling had really arrived. They were running a real building with real production values. Unfortunately, it was in a lot of ways the beginning of the end for progress because of the WWE Association and everything, you know, happening that we know has happened since. So. Um, so I guess now it's like, do we do the the Pritchard gimmick and then the bell rang? So <laughs> right. what did you think of the match? Because. I kind of I, I can't wait to have this discussion about the match because, well, first you tell me what you thought of the match. Okay, so the match for people that have not seen this match or, or, or don't know about it, so it's it's a TLC match between these two, and I almost don't want you to spoil it for the people who have. I know, seen it. I know, it's, it's tough because it's, it really loses a lot if you know what's about to happen. You know what I mean? Like you didn't know, so I want to. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Should I spoil it or not? I don't know what yeah, to do. Yeah, go ahead. We got to talk. Okay, we got to talk about it. This, so anyway, is, this is like not. This is like talking about the Sopranos and not talking about how it ends. <laughs> right, exactly. You'll figure it out. It's like, yeah. You've, so. you've had plenty of time to watch. It's it's years ago, so I think it's okay. Go ahead. So they have, a, they have a match. It's a TLC match, of course, which is a great build to it as well. You know, it, 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 these guys need to have weapons to beat each other's asses with. So it's, it's perfect. It makes, it makes sense from that aesthetic. So... Very ambitious TLC match. They do a lot of stuff that's really, really cool and really cool ideas and whatnot and, and, and great ideas and big spots or whatever. The only problem is, and one of the uh, unfortunate issues of this match is, whatever, who, I, I don't know what happened, who bought it, I don't know any of the backstory. I'm hoping that maybe you know some of it. The tables that they have for this match don't fucking break, ever. They're the, <laughs> most, they're the strongest. I've never seen a table stronger. I, I don't know who bought these tables. Well, these just normal tables, and they, did these guys not know that like WWE uses fake tables? Or that, like, what what were they thinking? These were the most durable tables in the history of tables. Eddie Dennis takes a fall early in the match from I gotta say fifteen feet, yeah, and just bounces off the table, and it's like ooh. And then I think or no, Mark Andrews takes it, and then Eddie Dennis lifts him up and puts him through a power bomb through the table, 
and he just bounces off, and it's so bad. Like and a, they keep like trying, a, like a fucking trampoline, <laughs> like bouncing off of the table and being ejected into the air. And the, and this fucking table maybe bends like a quarter of an inch from these full-grown men landing on it. This feet. table is the toughest motherfucker I've seen in the history of wrestling. I mean, this table is right up there with fucking whoever with with fucking Stan Hansen and and fucking Bruiser Brody and whoever you want to name among the toughest people I've ever seen in red. This table is 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 something else. So anyway. So I the problem is it kind of like the work's okay in it, but like a few minutes in, you're just so distracted by this table. Yes. And you keep wondering, okay, are they going to say, fuck these tables, it's not going to work, guys, let's move on to something else. Or are they just going to keep trying? Unfortunately, they decided, well, fuck, let's try this table. <laughs> like, they keep going under the ring and getting new tables, and each next table is stronger than the table before it. Yes. <laughs> and they keep, <laughs> these poor guys. Because <laughs> you know that they had all these spots planned. Yep. They had all these things, okay, I'm going to do this through the table. I'm going to do this... But, they're not, but they don't stop. They're like, all right, fuck it. This one's got to break. And then it doesn't. All right, fuck it. I'll do a power round. That ah, didn't break either. All right, I'll do an elbow drop through it. Fuck, that didn't break either. Finally, finally, Eddie Dennis hits his finisher off the top of a freaking ladder. and Or no, no, the worst one was Mark Andrews got to the top of the, the big ladder. There's a yeah. ladder on the outside. He gets to the top of it and does, I forget what it is. It's either senton or something like that or an elbow drop or something like that. Fucking bounces right off. It slides off it. And you're like, oh, my God. God, it's just, right his back is just ravaged too. I mean, and Mark Andrews looks like he's been through a fucking like. Oh my god, he looked like Cody's back after the, the lashings or whatever. So finally, mercifully, they get to the top of the ladder in the middle of the ring. Eddie Dennis does his finisher. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. To Mark Andrews through a table. This table, I don't know. It kind of bends inward, right? Like it doesn't break necessarily, but at least like their bodies land further than the top of the table. That's about the most I can say for that last table. The table collapses. <laughs> kind of. Like, it's still fine. Like, but it, it at least bends enough that their bodies can slightly go through it. It broke a bit. There was some shattered <laughs> wood. <laughs> right. And the but crowd exploded, by Yeah, the, the crowd, yeah, the crowd, yeah. They, they fucking a, went but nuts. It's a, but it's a Bronx cheer kind of going nuts. It's like, it's, it's sort of like, because like you said, at this point, you're totally distracted by the unbreakable table, and and you're just thinking about the next spot and whether the table's going to break. So it completely takes you out of the match. That's the issue here. Right. You have, I think the crowd at some point is chanting, like, either fuck that table or, you know, they, then they start, so they start saying fuck that table. And then as the match goes on, they start cheering for the tables. Right. And then they go through, they bounce off the tables and they go, table, table. Well, table. listen, <laughs> it's, cla- it's classic pro wrestling. It's like, the road warriors can only be heels so long before you root for them because they're such badasses. Right. These tables got a, 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 a face turn because they were fucking kicking ass. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. The tables were inadvertently turned baby face because they were so tough. Exactly. And these poor guys, because they have this like year long, like God, generationally long feud between these two or blood feud. And it's just ruined. It's just so fucking ruined. And I, I hate it because the match itself was pretty damn good, man. I liked it. I really did. I thought it was good. But it's so hard to take seriously because these idiots are just bouncing off this table. And I felt so bad. Knowing what wrestlers think and knowing these guys who are two very – like, I like Mark Andrews a lot. Eddie Dennis, I think, is they're, – they're, they're smart wrestlers. They get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They understand. And it's just I – can, I can only imagine going through the back and just being like, 
the fuck was at those tables? Like, what happened? Do you know any reason of what happened with the, like, is this a common progress thing? Like, I, I don't watch enough progress to know that the tables are always bad. No, no clue. I don't know. It like, was what just... the fuck were they? And they had, like, rivets in the corners, too. Like, these were, like, a supported. Did they just think that, hey, you just grab any table and go through it and it's fine? Or? I don't know the backstory. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like, oh, it's, one of those, I... it's one of those pro wrestling truisms that you just know, guy goes through table, table explodes. Right. Yeah, I don't know. There were, <laughs> there were, there were five total table spots where they just bounced off of the table. And I and like Rich said, these were crazy table spots. Diving off the top of fifteen foot ladders, you know, the body weight of both men in some cases. And by the fifth one, they're both just laying on the ground and I'm just wondering what's running through each of their heads. Like that has to be such a terrible feeling to be having this match. They're peaking their feud in this enormous building, uh, the biggest match of either guy's career to that point. And these tables just will not fucking break. I, I just such horrible luck, and you, you're almost gutted for both guys as this is happening. But, um, Rich, would you like an alternate take on this match? Uh, yeah, go ahead. I have an alternate take. I liked the match, and I liked it when it happened, and I I liked it even more on the rewatch. And I think it's because I already knew that the tables weren't going to break, so you don't have that distraction factor of wondering whether the tables are going to break. But especially on rewatch, I think it works because it was a good match. And I almost think this in a weird way, the table not breaking the first five times helps the match because when the table finally does break, that's when Eddie Dennis wins. That's when Mark Andrews is taken completely out. And it's almost like it peaks to that point. It's like, finally, Someone got put through the table. Now that person is dead. And now the other guy wins. So in a weird way, watching this match the second time this week, it was a match that I liked more than everybody else did the first time. And I kind of really loved it the second time. I was like, wow, it all fucking worked out in a weird way. So I don't know if that's just because it was on a rewatch and – all of the table nonsense was removed from the equation because it was already known. I already knew, you know, that I wasn't focused on whether the table was going to break anymore because I knew that it wasn't going to break. But I like this match. I might be the only person in the world who likes it, but I really like this match, like in a genuine way, not even in an ironic way. Yeah, and and and, and you know what what helps though is that final spot where they actually do go kind of through the table. That does help it a little bit. Yeah, because it's sort of like the like finally the table broke, and that's where the match ended. Like if that if the table hadn't broke on that spot, and then Dennis climbed the climbed the ladder and won, it's a complete disaster. But because the table broke on the final big spot, it almost enhanced that spot because it didn't break the rest of the match. Right, does that right, make right. Any sense? No, sort of. Yeah, yeah. So. I, you know, but I mean, I don't really hate this. I, not only do I not hate this match, I, I really like the match. But I'm the only person that will say that. Like, everyone just shits on this match. And I get it. Like, you know, I'm not trying to be edgy guy. You know, trying to tell you that something that was really shitty was good. Right, right, I, right. I, it's just I understand why no one else liked it. 
You know, I'm not like everyone else is crazy. This was fucking, but, but I don't know for me, the match worked. All right. So that was Mark Andrews, Eddie Dennis. Uh, as I said, you could watch it for free on the YouTube page. Uh, Progress 76. Hello, Wembley. Very easy to find. We'll have a link. Uh, we'll put the link in the description as well. So my match recommendation to you, Joe, was Eddie Kingston versus Keith Walker. Uh, AEW was from the Windy City Classic, uh, November 29th, 2014. I was there live. I don't remember where I was sitting at this point. I don't think you could see me uh, in this, but I was there live. Again, this is available AEWondemand.com. Uh, you can use promo code AWFAMILY, get your first month for free, so plenty of good stuff there. As I said, too, AEW re- releasing a lot of stuff on YouTube, uh, including my favorite match in the entire company's history, uh, Pentagon Chris Hero, uh, which is available now on uh, on their YouTube page for free. So uh, they're getting a lot of good content up there. But uh, the reason I picked this match for you, and it actually it interestingly coincided with uh, an article, and this was a complete accident that this happened, complete accident. We had already discussed this, and I already had given you this match before this came out, but this week we published something about Eddie Kingston. Ryan Dilbert, former Bleacher Report writer, writes some stuff for us every so often uh, as well, published a, a, an awesome article at voicewrestling.com about Eddie Kingston and some of his best promos, and how Eddie Kingston is, is, is one of the... We, we talk about Eddie Dennis talking you into the building. Eddie Kingston is that guy. You watch these promos, and you... like. I watched that High Noon promo a few days ago, and I was like, I, I, I have to go. I, I got to be in Philadelphia for that match or whatever. I got to go. I have to see this. Eddie Kingston versus, you know, Mike Quagman. I got to see this. I have to watch this match. Like, it, it's still, it's a match that happened, what, 10 years ago at this point or whatever it, it was. And it's like, he is so good at promos and so good at talking to the building. But very often with Eddie Kingston, once the match starts, I just kind of lose it. And I'm not a huge fan of his in-ring work. I just doesn't, it doesn't do much for me. But I thought this match in particular would be interesting for you because I know what style of matches you enjoy. And I was curious if this one, because there's some barriers to this match as well. It's Eddie Kingston. You and I were not the biggest, you know, Eddie Kingston in-ring fan. Keith Walker's a guy. He's kind of just a big oaf, sort of, as his gimmick. You know, he's, he had some Noah runs and some other stuff as well. He became, you know, he's, he grew up in Chicago. And this is this is his final match ever, too, that, that we should note that as well. It's his final match ever. Eddie Kingston's the AW World Champion. But there's some stuff working against it, because it's two guys that aren't necessarily jump off the page great wrestlers they're not great workers they're not guys you think of immediately when you say hey who's great wrestlers or who's great indie wrestlers or whatever you don't necessarily bring up eddie kingston or keith walker ever so it's got that working against it but i thought the story of eddie kingston it's you know him defending his title against keith walker in his final match ever he's going to retire after this match if he doesn't win the title or whatever i was curious if it, if it resonated with you as much as it did in the building because i remember there that moment I, I i looked up the tweets as well that i was like oh here comes fighting eddie, eddie kingston and keith walker like all right, and I went to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom when this match started. I sat down. I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm fucking around my phone, fucking around my phone, fucking around my phone. And the match keeps going and going and going. It gets better and better and better and better. And by the time it's done, I'm like, that fucking, that was the best match of Eddie Kingston's career, the best match of Keith Walker's career. I fucking love that match. And Keith Walker, mind you, I've been seeing him for months and months and months at AEW, and he's no good. I mean, he's just not that. I mean, at this point, he's pretty broken down. He's about to retire. He's just not. And so the idea that, okay, I'm going to watch Keith Walker, you know, a guy who is kind of stinks, and Eddie Kingston, a guy who's really not great like eh, i don't know let's see what's gonna happen but when it was over i fucking loved it so i was curious what you thought of the match and what you knew about the match going in as well and then then your kind of overall thoughts on on it as well i knew nothing of the match going in but the i don't know who the commentary team was i guess we can look that i think it was Derek st holmes and i want to say oh god what's his name I'm, i'm such an asshole because I'm not remembering. It was Derek St. Holmes and I forget the other guys. Uh, Phil, uh, Phil Colvin, I believe, was the were the two commentators. Okay, so whoever it was, whether it was them or we're fucking somebody over and not giving them credit, they did a really good job setting it up. So whereas you had the benefit of a great video package for Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews, I had the benefit of the announcers who 
didn't necessarily take it for granted that you knew what was happening here, but they also didn't hammer you over the head with it. Um, they laid out that, you know, Keith Walker was at the end of the line and he needed the witness to keep his career going. And he's a guy that had been part of the Chicago scene forever. And this is the new top dog. Okay. And they're going to have a fight. And if uh, Walker loses, he's gone. And you know what I love about this? Walker lost and he has never wrestled again. Yeah. This so I, I, I have a fun story about that. I have a fun story about that. I, I so I reached out to, to, to Dr. Keith, who obviously works with AEW, and 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 you know he's, he might be listening to this right now. And and I kind of said, hey, what do you, you know? I'm, I'm trying to think of a match to give Joe, and I'm thinking about this match. What do you think about this? And he goes, yeah, that's a great one. And he said, it's a funny story about that. Keith Walker many times after this tried to come back. He said, ah, you know what? I got another match in me. Let me come back. And he said, Keith and whoever and Danny, the guy, the people that run AEW, were like, Keith, that's what you ended your career with, man. Yeah. There's no coming back. Don't come back, man. That's it. You're never going to recreate that. You're never going to get better than that. You left on t- on top of the world, man, with the, probably the best match you've ever had. Yeah. Don't come back. And he, they always said, they always have to stalk him off the ledge because he always is like, ah, I got one more in because he's a wrestler. Wrestlers always have it's one the more. Itch. Yeah. They always, until, the, until they literally die in the ring, they have one more in them. You know, they, they want one more match. They want to put the gear on one more time. They want to hear that crowd reaction one more time. They just want to do it one more time. And they always have to still Keith. Dude, no. Like, you you left. Nobody else can leave like you left. Not many people have that ability to, 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 yeah. to their final match to be that. Be that moment. Leave on top, man. You're never going to recreate that. And, and you're right. He has never come back since then. Yeah, he's never wrestled another match since. And uh, they just want to feel that pop one more time. It's like every week we do this show. And Rich... Uh, you're like, I'm done, Joe. I'm never doing another flagship. And I'm like, <laughs> Rich, you got to come back, you know, but I talk you back into it. You know, they could, they, this guy, they talk him out of it, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's, and now at this point, you're talking about a six year old match. I'm not even sure AEW fans now would necessarily remember the guy. Like, yeah. So I was actually going as they were panning the crowd and showing the crowd. I was trying to think, man, a lot of these people don't go to these shows anymore because I still go and I recognize some of the people, but a lot of the people I don't. So yeah, there are an entire generation of new AEW fans and new independent wrestling fans that have no idea what Keith Walker is or who he was. Right. right. And I, look, the, the you know, there's guys like you, and I'm sure there's a good portion of the crowd who would remember that, and it would mean something. But it's kind of like when uh, All Night Express reformed in Ring of Honor a couple of years ago, and I was there live for that or whatever, and it's like nobody popped because Ring of Honor just had a complete turnover of their fan base, you know? And it might not be that drastic in a place like AAW, but Rich, six years is an eternity in pro wrestling. I mean, it's like pro wrestling moves at a breakneck speed when it comes to stuff like that. So the longer it takes, like, even even you know even less of a wise move that would be for him to come back but yeah and also just honoring the stipulation and everything else too which is probably important to the people who run AAW um but yeah it it, it enhances this match that he did in fact never wrestle again but um some of my observations it's like you said you went and took a bathroom break you come back and halfway through, it dawns on you that you're watching something special, right? It's funny because watching the match and listening to the commentary, there's a comment. And it's not into the mic, but you could hear the comments sort of in the periphery. And I don't know if it's one of the commentators or if it's somebody sitting close to the commentators who just it gets picked up on the mic. But you can hear somebody kind of whisper, 
this is a good fucking match. <laughs> it might be the commentators, man. They uh, Phil Colvin's been known to uh, enjoy the drink while he's doing commentary, and and will sometimes kind of. I don't mean that in a bad way. He just you know he enjoys kind of letting loose a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm positive he probably put his hand in front of the mic and went, Derek, this is actually fucking good. Like, That's exactly what it's like. If right. you go back and watch, you, you'll hear it. It it almost feels like someone covered the mic or someone came up to the booth to talk to them. You know, or something. And that would happen. I mean, they just sat there with the fans. Like, I, a lot of times you would find me standing next to them. Not that I was, like, talking to them or whatever. It was just a good spot to stand. They were at, like, a little bit of an incline, you know, behind yeah. the heart. And it was fun to just kind of go because you'd be able to, to stand up there. Or, you know, you'd be able to talk to some guys. And, and, and guys would be coming through. And Keith would be there. And I talked. So I'd always be there. But, yeah, people would just come up to them while the match is going on and talk to them. And they would kind of just put their hand on the mic and talk to the guy a lot of times. So Yeah. So it was either one of them covered the mic and said it to the other. Or a fan leaned in or someone else from the company leaned in. But the point here is the way that it was said was that they were like pleasantly surprised, you know, because they were like, this is a good fucking match. Like they couldn't believe what they were seeing. And it's like the same feeling that you were describing, like, holy shit, this is working out because I don't think anyone expected this to be as great as it was Um, because it was a great match. What what stood out to me was the pacing. I mean, they came out and it was it was uh, slowly paced. But they kept that slow pace throughout the whole match. It never really built to a crescendo or like a hot closing stretch or anything like that. Not until the very, very, very end. They just beat the shit out of each other in a very realistic and and uh, and it's sort of like when Eddie Kingston's matches land, this is the kind of match he that he has where – there's just a, a a different sense of uh, of of realness to it, and you really felt like these guys were laying in on each other, and it it feels like less of a traditional pro wrestling match and more like a fight. And I think that's because Kingston, I'm the same very much. He almost never lands with me, but when he does, it's high end like this, and it's usually this style of match. And um, for whatever reason, just on this night. Because Walker, like you said, he's at the end of the line. He's got the big pot belly. He's not in the best of shape. He was never considered any kind of super worker or great wrestler to begin with. And um, it was just one of those nights where it's just magic, you know? And if you're looking for, like, cleanly executed moves and impressive-looking high spots, that's not the kind of great match this was. This was, again, two guys just beating the snot out of each other. And... You're halfway through it, and you know, Kingston's working the neck early on, and that neck work mattered throughout the whole match. You know, he gave him that uh, reverse neck breaker in like the first minute of the match, and then he slapped on like it wasn't a reverse chin lock, but it was kind of like a just a neck hold. He like slapped it on, and it's like you're like, oh, like in the first minute, but then you realize he worked the neck the whole way through, you know. And then he's hitting those spinning back fists at the end, all to the neck, right? And then, and, and then I forget gets, if Keith had to retire because of a neck. I, I wonder if, and, and I don't remember exactly the context. I wonder if he had a bad neck, and that's like if in the moment we were supposed to know that a little bit more. I, I, I really don't. I don't remember what what was going on there, but that would make sense too, because because Eddie's a smart wrestler. I, it might not yeah. always land with me, but he's a smart wrestler. He gets oh, it. no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean he's he's a very smart wrestler and 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 very sound when it comes to storytelling and those things. It's just it just doesn't always work for me, you know, and then it just but but this is an instance where it did uh, really from start to finish. Um, The only thing, man, I wish the sliding D 
that ended the match had landed a little cleaner. Yeah, I mean, that stinks. was a weak ass finish. I mean, he basically whiffed on it because he's hitting those spinning back fists and he's throwing them wildly, and they're connecting on Walker's neck, and one of them misses, but in a good way. Do, do you know what I mean when I say that? Like he misses one of the spinning back fists, but it's kind of like because Walker is trying to evade these wild shots, and it's like. That's kind of cool. These blows shouldn't always land. And it didn't look bad. And then he hits another one and takes him down. But then when he hit that sliding D, it was just – it just missed the mark and it looked weak. And I was like, God, I hope this isn't the finish. Oh, no, that's the finish. So that kind of took a little bit of steam out of it. But outside of that, and maybe if they would have used another camera angle, it wouldn't have looked as bad. I don't know. But outside of just the weak sliding D at the end, this was hard hitting. It told a great story. The dude lost. He never fucking came back. And um, this is just peak Eddie Kingston. This is the this is as good as it gets for Eddie Kingston. And when Eddie Kingston is good, he's really fucking good. It's just, you know, unfortunately for me, it's very, very much hit or miss with that guy. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I liked it a lot. There was that, uh, um, you know, uh, was it? I think Walker. He hit a Styles clash at one point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he just yeah. emptied the the clip. Whatever he had left in that gun, he was just fucking. Every bullet was gonna get. He was everything he ever wanted to do. He just did it. You know what I mean? He was like, ah, fuck it. I'm gonna kick out at one. I'm gonna do a Styles clash. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna kick out of your finisher. Like it was everything. He just emptied it all out. Which is it's a final match, man. You want you want this guy to literally be dead before he kicks out. You know what I mean? You want that Shawn Michaels Ric Flair. Shawn Michaels having to put this guy out of his misery. Like, I don't really want to do this, Rick. Like, just, but I have to. You're not going to go down unless I do this, so I got to do this to you. Like, you need that. Or Shawn Michaels Undertaker, where it's like, I don't want to kill you, man, but you're not going down, so I got to kill you. Like, that's what it was. It's cool. But here, but here's what I'm thinking. He teamed with Bison Smith and Noah a lot. And I bet you they were buddies. And Bison Smith, of course, used the Bicentennial, which was the Styles Clash. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that might that might have been the connection there, too. Yeah. So when I saw the Styles Clash spot, I'm like, I instantly thought about that, you know, because Bison Smith died in 2011. So this would have been a couple years after that. And look, I don't, I, I could just be making a connection that's not there. Maybe Walker always used that move. I don't recall him using that move as part of his regular repertoire. So maybe it's just like he knows it's his last match and he's throwing in a little something for his fallen buddy, right? I mean, you yeah, know, that's possible. That, yeah, very, very possible. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about um, with that spot. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Bison Smith was doing that move. He called it the Bicentennial. I think he was, you know, I don't know who did it first. To be completely honest, I don't know if it was him or if it was Styles. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, who else used it? Um, um, Michelle McCool used it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Faith Breaker. <laughs> Wasn't it the Faith Breaker? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> you might be right. There's The things we remember and the things we don't are really... Yeah, really you don't remember any time. fucking move ever, and you remember that Michelle McCool had the Faith Breaker. Yeah, it was called the Faith Breaker. How did you remember right? that? You don't know don't any know. other moves. I don't know any moves, but I remember that. And it just kind of dawned on me now, like, okay, Bison Smith, okay, I watched all that shit. Yeah. Like, why would I remember... Michelle McCool. Not only that she used it, but what she called it. Right? The fuck I don't remember the names of anything. 
that's weird. The human mind is Yeah, bizarre. if I asked you what Jay White's finisher is right now, it would take you 25 minutes to figure it out. But... I had a fucking thing where he drops the guy on his <laughs> He fucking... does the thing. You know what I'm talking about, Rich. You know, the you gimmick know it. with the neck, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. And I watched the shit, like, you know, religiously. But that, I remember the Faith Breaker. That's, man, it really was the Faith Breaker, huh? That's, that's something else. Um, but yeah, you know, and it really, I'm also watching it and I'm thinking to myself, my God, has indie wrestling changed in the last six years? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that's the other thought that went through my brain where it's like, and this probably isn't the day to pick on modern indie wrestling since they're all like wondering if they're going to eat next week. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm watching this match and I'm like, you know what? Like two weekends ago, I watched that fucking Black Label Pro show. <laughs> and it's just... It's such a drastic difference, and I'm just gonna leave it there. I'm not gonna pick on. I think we already. I, I right. think I. But you on the know, <laughs> you listening, like, you know, you get it. I the second half of that Black Label Pro show was such an abomination. It was the worst second half of a wrestling show I've ever seen. I mean that, and it it became even worse when I watched this match, and then dabbled with some of the rest of the show. Yeah. Okay. Because then it's like. Fuck it. I may as well leave this on for the main event. There's nothing else to do. Well, the match before, right? it's Matt Cage, Johnny Gargano. Did you watch that or have a chance to watch right. that? And the whole thing is good. like, Matt. yeah, and that's when Matt Cage had first come in the company and they were getting behind him. You know, and he wrestles Gargano. And then the main event is Monster Mafia versus the, the, um, the uh, Wolves. Yeah, Davey and, Davey and Eddie, right? Richie and, yeah, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards. And I'm like, I, I'm just watching fucking that match. bravado, just fucking man. You know what I mean? Just... Yeah, and it's not like some kind of match that, is the great as a match of the year or anything, but it's just four guys beating each other up. And I, I, it's just dumb jocks who watch Japan tapes doing dumb jock things and copy in Japan. Rich. I want that again. I fucking, I am longing for Davey Richards to come back and just do dumb Davey Richards shit and cleanse the indies of the nonsense that we're subjected right. to. You so badly just want Davey Richards to get dropped on his head, yeah. stand and up, no hold selling. his head, and then do a fucking clothesline and then fall down. <laughs> you yes. just want that. Yeah, I get it. I do too. Yeah. You know, and it's like, go, ah, my fucking neck. And then he just goes and clotheslines you. And then they both collapse for 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want dumb jock wrestling to come back. Just fucking guys who were athletes in high school, who, you know, they, they like couldn't cut it above that level. So they like have all of this pent up aggression and it feeds into their pro wrestling and they're watching all Japan tapes and watching guys drop each other on their head and that's feeding into it. And they just go out there and fucking fucking wrestle and kill each other and they take it seriously. And it's like, no, what do we get? We get alley cat. That's what we get now. You know, and it's like, I'm, I'm, I said I wasn't going to do this, and I did it anyway. How, it, it, that's the Joe Lanza thing. But it's like, you know, I, I just want to watch fucking Monster Mafia and the fucking Wolves no-sell and do stupid shit and fight and, and fucking – and just be stupid. You know, and, 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 and Eddie Kingston and Keith Walker just fucking stiff each other for fucking 18 minutes. You know, and it's just – that's not what the indies – now, look, I know there's guys – people are going to be, oh, but there's guys on the indies who do that. Yeah, I know, okay? But who's main event? Who's working the top of the card? Yeah. Who gets all of the bookings? It's fucking Danhausen. It's right. not – For, it's for not every one like Chris this. Dickinson, there's 15 meme guys. Yeah, you know, and that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. But here's what happens. 
when I turn on something like that Black Label Pro Show, I have to watch a, a, ha- a whole half of a card that looks like the other shit to get to the Chris, the, the Chris Dickinson match that's also on the back end. You know what I mean? It's like when it used to just be, you know, when 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 the, when the fucking hokey bullshit was, you know, maybe one match on the show or one wrestler who did that sort. Now it's most of the card, and we've already talked about why that is, and. I've talked about it a million times. It's just there's a dearth of talent. So there's a lot of room now for comedy and shtick. And there's a lot of room for the deathmatch stuff. And that's come in and 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 found a nice hole to slide into. And um you know, it's and, and I get it and I understand why. And also I do think indie fans are different fans now. Yeah, I do changed. think yeah, there's different people. And and that's okay. I mean, you know, and and it's it's. I just think the fan base has changed. I think you see a lot of newer fans, and because who happen to connect with this stuff, going to shows, and and um and and it's just a, it's a different fan. Like you said, you didn't recognize like you you watch this and you're like, wow, I haven't seen that guy in forever. And these guys don't come to the AEW shows anymore. It's and there's fan turnover too that contributes to that. But that was another thing that really smacked me upside the head watching this Kingston Walker match. And just perusing the rest of this show mm-hmm. is how much wrestling has changed in just a half decade. Indie wrestling, that is. So basically what I'm saying is uh, what this match uh, showed me more than anything was that I prefer indie wrestling when the wrestlers took themselves too seriously as opposed to now when they don't take it seriously at all. Right, 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 and I'm right with you in, in that same same vein as well. It's it's just yeah, it, it it it, and that's another reason I it wasn't exactly the reason I chose this match, but it was one that I kind of wanted to go back to that era of indies, and especially watching you know I'm doing the the, the series on on Patreon, Patreon.com uh, slash Voices Wrestling is what we talked about at the beginning. <laughs> make sure Joe gets some money. Come on, Joe, Joe needs to make some money in these trying times. But um, the reason I'm going back and watching the the stuff from Ring of Honor. And it's another thing as well that I'm like, man, there's people that didn't live through this. And I just like, you know, that's why I want to do that series. I want to do it spoiler free as well of like, hey, here's a little bit of background. Here's what you're going to expect from this match. But it's spoiler free because like a lot of people haven't seen this stuff. And there's people that didn't live through this or didn't watch Ring of Honor in real time. And it's just like it's a totally different era of, of, of indie wrestling. And it's I'm watching it again and I'm falling in love with it all over again. And then I'm realizing, ah, oh, Jesus, like. You know, when this is all done, I got to watch modern indie wrestling again. I just hate it so much. It's just, it's, just, it's not for me. And that's fine. Like, wait, it happens in waves. You know, yeah. ECW came and that was kind of, for you especially, was like the big thing that kind of turned you on becoming a different wrestling fan. Ring of Honor was kind of that second wave mm-hmm. of America after, you know, and then you kind of had, I don't know, like Evolve and, and PWG and AEW and those sort of things that were that next level. And you could kind of, we could always, and I'm, I'm kind of with you as well, maybe a little bit earlier or a little bit later than you, but I've always been able to kind of follow those same waves, but now the wave kind of stopped. And it's now like this weird thing where I'm like, ah, maybe it's just not for me anymore. But it always, I always had generation, like generationally, I could align and, and follow the lineage. And now I'm just kind of, it just kind of stopped. It's just kind of over. It's, it, you know, it's, it is cyclical and way, just different things catch on at different times. And I just think that for fans like me and you, and probably a lot of people listening. Uh, this is just not an era of indie wrestling. I, I genuinely believe, and I've said this before, that this is um, the worst era of indie wrestling since the indie wrestling boom of 2002. I guess 2002 is a good year to use because that was Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. 
coming in, and that kind of set the new era. I mean, there was obviously indie wrestling before that, right? But 2002 sort of was the beginning of the modern era of indie wrestling, and I think the indie wrestling of today is just this is the the worst it's been since 2002 in terms of overall quality and just enjoyment level. At least you know, but again, there are a lot of people who happen to happen to like what's happening now, you know, and it'll play itself out and run its course just like all the other eras did, the ones that you just talked about previously, you know, and something else will come in and replace this. I really think there was just a void left when everybody got signed. And, um, you know, the void has been filled with with what we have today. A lot of comedy, a lot of deathmatch, a lot of irony, a lot of meme shit. And, um, you know, that is what's connecting with the modern indie audience because there just isn't enough of the, uh, uh, you know, quality wrestling out there to satiate guys like you and me. Mm-hmm. And, and people like us. So these promoters have to book what is going to draw. And um, look, we, we had promoters popping in our DMs a year ago, two years ago, panicking. I have no one left to book. What am I going to do? You know, I, there's no one left. Well, what's left are what we're seeing now. So someone had to fill those spots and that's what's filled it. And And I, you know, I just think this is, you know, it, it it won't last forever, and something will come in and replace this. I mean, Deathmatch, and I've talked about this, it's about every 10 years that Deathmatch mm-hmm. really right, starts. Right. You know, and then, you know, you know, you, you look back, and that, that's, you know, it, it's like a once-a-decade thing where Deathmatch starts, to, and I think this was the perfect time and place for that. And I don't, yeah, I don't hate Deathmatch. I don't hate that kind of stuff. It, it, it's not my preferred style of wrestling. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm, glued to every GCW show. I'm not. Um, but I get the appeal and I understand. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that will last forever either. It's just the perfect time and place for that as well. Um, so uh, I don't know. But that, that was just one of the thoughts I also had watching the Kingston Walker match. All right, so that is that is Joe and Rich recommending matches to each other. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be doing more of this in the in the coming months, whether it be on the flagship or on Patreon. But uh, yeah, that's that's the gimmick. So it's not Joe and Rich recommend the best matches ever to each other. It's not what it is. It's we we have reasons by it, and and that's that's a lot of the fun of this is you know when 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 I give Joe a match, when he gives me a match, I kind of think, oh man, why why Joe give me this match? And I kind of like you give an extra little thought to it of like, was there a spot that I was supposed to recognize or something? And it makes you watch it more than like if if this segment was Joe and Rich give each other great matches, it'd be like, all right, here's a good match, Rich, just watch it. And it's like, all right, yeah, it's a great match, whatever. But I love that we don't do that. I love that there's like, hey, I picked this for a specific reason, and I want to see if you caught on to that reason, and 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 that makes you 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 have to hone in and watch it like you've never watched a match before thinking, okay, it could be one second of this match that he wanted me to watch and focus on. And if I don't catch that, like, I'm going to lose, you know, he'll be so happy that if I caught onto it, and if I don't catch on it, he'll be so disappointed. So that, that's what makes it a lot of fun. But uh, as I said, uh, hopefully on Patreon and, or, 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 or on the flagship coming soon, we'll have uh, many more of these Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. Cause... We've got, I couldn't believe it, but we have four of those segments behind the paywall. I didn't think we had done that many. Yeah, I was so, kind of surprised too. I thought we only did one or two or whatever. So it's it, it's it's been t- well because the problem is we've had so much new wrestling to watch. It's been like, well, we don't have time to be watching this old stuff. But uh, I mean, we got time. <laughs> maybe let me double. You know what? Let me double check that. And make sure that's correct because I don't want someone to be like, oh, I really love that. I'm gonna go subscribe. Robin to pay, and, and that's what I'm gonna get. Yeah, exactly. I don't. 
maybe. And then there's like two, but I, let me check the uh, – because we should have the tags. Um, and I think that there's four Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other tags. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we did it four times. We could have mentioned it in a post. Do you see what I'm saying? Right, right. Oh, I think because I think one time we actually said, "Hey, here are the matches we're going to talk about," and that was a post on its own. So that's possible too. So, but I know there's at least a couple of them behind the paywall because I remember doing them. So, um, if people like that gimmick, we also yeah. did it on the flagship proper a couple of times. But um, yeah, when the network first came out, we were doing it a lot. But then you know, wrestling got so ridiculous for so long. It was like, well, we can't possibly we don't have time to talk about this old stuff. You know, there's so much going on. But yeah, hey. I regret not using the tags on Patreon more in the beginning because we have so much shit on there now that there's a lot of I know. stuff. And the tags are really cool, but yeah, like at first we were just like, fuck it, who cares? No one's going to use the tags, and now it's like, oh, the tags would be really nice to find. Yeah, now now <laughs> I yeah. want to use the tags, right, and, I know. and they're not useful. So I, I guess we have time to go back and, uh, and, and re-tag stuff. So. I was just going to say, there, I have all the time in the world. <laughs> so maybe I can go back in and just re-tag everything, you know, so people can find things easier because even last night, I, I just put up written content, um, you know, because, uh, you know, and and I'm looking for all the other previous written content, but I never use the tag. So, you know, it's hard to point people to it and whatnot because I do a lot of written reviews behind the paywall, too. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe I'll go back this week at some point and just retag everything so it's more organized for everyone so that new subscribers can come in and find all that stuff. Because there's a lot of stuff that we've done that is evergreen in a sense that, you know, any stuff we did in 2017 can – you know, there's no reason it can't be listened to or read now if it's just like match reviews and stuff and things of that nature. So, all right. So let's. Uh, is this an official bouncing around Japan or, or what are we doing here? Well, here's how here's how we can determine that. Does the editor feel like doing all of that work to make it an official bouncing around Japan? If the answer is yes, then it is. If the answer is no, then it's not. He does. He's got nothing else to do. Well, then, okay, you want me to set it up? Let's do it. Okay, Rich, so I guess we can actually, we do have some wrestling that we could actually review. Some modern wrestling that we could actually review. So are you ready to go bouncing? Around Japan. And we start with 0-1 of all places. (laughs) 0-1, baby. When is the last time we reviewed... (laughs) fucking world is ending the world is ending joe we're watching zero one now you know listen i'm gonna i'm gonna confess something i watch every zero one show that hits tape now that makes two a year unfortunately i was gonna say (laughs) that may sound impressive or it may sound pathetic depending on your perspective but it's really not that many shows and a lot of them are clipped and every time there's a clipped one i curse and mutter to myself and pound my fist on the table because i hate clipped wrestling this is in 1993. There's no reason to clip the wrestling anymore. But uh, so I do keep up with Zero One. The problem is it's one of those promotions that it's barely ever going to make the flagship, even an hour three. I mean, let's be honest. There's just so much else to get to. So maybe once or twice a year uh, during a slow week, we'll get to the Zero One. I think this would qualify as a slow week. So we're going to get to some Zero One. This was actually their 19th anniversary show. So... They usually have a couple uh, bigger shows. Obviously, their uh, their New Year's show is always a big one, and then their anniversary show next year will be the 20th anniversary, and they actually set some things up for that on uh, at the end of this show. But uh, I gotta tell you, 
I watched this show. Did you watch the whole thing beginning uh, to end? I did. I did. Nice, easy watch, right? Yeah, good little two hours in and out. Let's go. Two hours in and out. I didn't love all of it, but I didn't hate well, any of it. <laughs> well, mm. That's a good point. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> I think we both hated the same one. Okay, we'll get to that. But uh, there's only one real like bad match here that was hard to get through. The rest was ranged from fine to really fucking awesome. I mean, I thought there was uh, at least one match here that I thought was pretty fucking tremendous. So, uh, 0-1, let's start at the uh, business end of the card because I don't want to waste all of our... Uh, all of our energy on uh, Yuko Miyamoto. No offense to Yuko Miyamoto. But uh, let's start with the main event, Zero One World Heavyweight title match. Yuji Hino defending against Kohei Sato, two guys who were very well acquainted with the Zero One uh, World Heavyweight title. Uh, what did you think of these uh, two beefy, grumpy men going at it here for the world world title? Uh, pretty good. I, I'm not the biggest Koei Sato fan. Um, I just think he kind of looks like shit. It kind of takes me away from it. But uh, Yuji Hino is a good opponent for him. Uh, so I, I, I really like this. I, I had gotten ready for this to be like, a little bit longer than it was. And I'm kind of glad it did end as abruptly as it as it did. Because it, it, it you know it's a match where, like, and I think you may, you may have tweeted out something about it. I forget if you tweeted about this exact finish or whatever. But as you're watching it, you're getting it ready. Okay, what's going to happen? And, and, and Koei Sato just hits a move. I forget what it was. I believe it was... And he just pins him. And, like, it, it's one of these things that, that kind of takes you by surprise because you're so used in the modern wrestling, particularly when you had the prior match, which we'll talk about a bit, which fucking ruled. But when you have the prior match where it is just, like, big, beefy dudes going back and forth and, and kicking out of everything and no-selling everything, that just out of nowhere, Koi Sato hits a move on Yoji, you know, after, you know, 20 minutes or so, and then just pins him and just definitively wins the match. I thought it was a cool way to finish it, and it kind of took – it was one of those ones that kind of took me by surprise. So I had to go back and watch, like, the last few minutes of the match. And when you watch the last few minutes, you're like, oh, that's really cool that he just, you know, he just beat him. He just, it, it didn't take, you know, a ton of kickouts and take a ton of shit like that. He just went out there and, and, and hit his move and beat him. So I enjoyed that. And, and you know, yeah, he does it to win the title as well. So a pretty big moment there uh, for Koei Sato to win the title over Yuji Hino in that main event. Just, you know, pretty definitively, I thought, uh, as well. But, but a really, really fun match, even though I'm not the biggest Sato fan. But, I, I, man, I'm a huge Yuji Hino fan, and I thought he was fantastic here. I really like the match. I went notebook. I went four flat on this. Uh, I thought that I'm trying to find that tweet to see what you're. What, what, you said something like "holy shit, the finish" or something like that. I, I, it was something about the finish, but I forget exactly what you. Yeah, because the finish was nasty. I mean, you know, so that's probably what I was talking about. I can't find the tweet. I guess it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, just a very vicious finish where you know um, they just laid into each other. For, you know, where you know we just talked about Kingston and Walker. Uh, these two guys do what these two guys do, and um, it was just well, he he gave him the headbutt, and then you know the uh, the, the blood and everything, and then um, you know it just just good nasty pro wrestling is what it was. And Sato's a guy. I mean, I I like him better than you do, but I'm starting to see signs that he's slowing down. That was another thought I had while I was watching this. Um, I'm starting to see signs that he's starting to slow down. And uh, as I check for his age here, I'm going to guess he's in his late 30s. I don't even think he's 40 yet. How hmm. old? Let's see. He's 42. So he's a little older than I thought. But um, Yeah, he's, he's a little more broken down than he probably should be at 42. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, he. I think his best uh, years are behind him. But the finish was nasty. And I thought, look, this was a this was what you want out of a 0-1 world title match is, is, is uh, the, the pacing of this and the nastiness of the work. And uh, the nastiness of the finish. So it all worked for me. And I went four flat. I went notebook. But uh, this wasn't even the best match on the show. I no. think. Uh, 
consensus would have to be that it was the uh, the tag match with uh, base. This was like a throwback to 2015. Yeah, right? it rocked. I didn't. I I did not know this match was on the show. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, wait a minute. Like they kept coming out of the the entranceway, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, what? It's <laughs> rules, and it fucking rocked. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, with strong BJ versus the Dangan Yankees getting back together, Masato Tanaka and Takashi Sagera. I feel like there was some iteration of this match done about a million times between like 2015 and 2017 or something like that. Um, And here we go again. And this was for their big anniversary show. So, you know, they brought in some outsiders. And this went to a 30-minute draw. I thought the 30 minutes flied by. Uh, This was just four great pro wrestlers four of you know uh, the best at this style of pro wrestling of this era uh, just laying into each other for a half hour and it made me want to see these two teams face each other two or three more times this year and have a series of matches that was my feeling coming out of it and I thought it was one of the best tag team matches I've seen all year I went four and a half on this which you know you're starting to flirt with uh, you know match of the year caliber uh, matches when you're rating a match that high and uh, this was it, the best way I could describe this to people is picture a really good Masato Tanaka and Takashi Sagara versus strong BJ match and that's exactly what <laughs> right exactly what you think it's going to be I love there was one spot that I absolutely loved and, and, and he does this a few times and I, I know but for whatever reason on this day it just popped me even more as I think Masato Tanaka had a pinfall on Okabayashi and Sakamoto came up and instead of you know dropping the elbow or you know throwing him off or kind of tapping him to get to break up the pinfall he just picks the man up and German suplexes him and I'm like fuck yeah god damn I love wrestling you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, normal wrestlers would be like, hey, whoa, whoa, let me, like, break up the pinfall. He breaks up the pinfall by grabbing the guy and German suplexing him. Yeah. And I, I fucking mean, love it. It's just a war. And, you know, I, neither one of these teams are regular tag teams anymore. You know? Like, two days later, back in their home promotion, Sekimoto and Okabayashi were on opposite sides in a tag team match. And we're going to talk about that match. So it's like, these teams aren't regular teams anymore, but it, like, it was a real throwback to the era when they were. And it made me wish that they they were still regular partners and and that they could have another series of matches uh, against each other because this was this was fucking awesome, you know. And 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 uh, you know I I loved everything about it and the draw didn't bother me at all. Uh, the draw obviously a very political finish. I have no problem with that in this scenario. Uh, and you know it it it's really when when you take this match and the fact that the main event was a very good match as well um, you didn't really need much else on the show to justify watching the show but some of the other stuff was pretty good too uh, we'll touch on all the matches but let's just jump a little uh, a little let's skip the other tag I and do, talk about one thing I do want to talk about real quick though yeah. Masato Tanaka it's I, I probably watch him maybe once or twice a year at this point and it just I, I cannot believe the guy he's still great oh yeah it, it, 47 it, it, everybody assumed he was going to die in 2001 Nobody assumed he was going to make it out of ECW in 1999, and the guy's still fucking going, 2020, and he still rocks. He's, like, as good as he was five years ago. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, he's put, and now he's pushing 50. And I feel like we've been having this conversation since he was, like, 30 <laughs> That's what I mean. They're like, ah, Masato Tanaka's still good. That's a conversation somebody had in 2004. Like, hey, whoa, that Masato Tanaka's still holding up, still pretty good. And we're still, 15 years later, we're still having that conversation. Yeah, and Segura's 49, and... You know, this is a tag team that's basically a combined 100 years old. And 
if they teamed regularly, there's not many other teams I'd want to watch on a week in week out basis than that team. No, yeah, I, I love it. You know, um, and and it's kind of just it kind of plays into the previous segment a little bit too. It's kind of such a good cleanse when wrestlers just get in the ring and beat the shit out of each other. You know what I mean? As opposed to some of the stuff we see. It, it, it's just it, it's like you're like wow I remember like you remember what you love about wrestling yeah and, and they, they they respect each other too because when the match is over and it's time to draw they all shake each other's hands and raise each other's hands in the middle of the ring or whatever but for the prior 30 minutes they wanted to kill the other guys yeah that bell rang and they're like well fuck you you're on the other side of the ring and I'm going to kill you but then yeah. the bell rings and it's like ah, alright whatever <laughs> just gotta shake hands and ah you're good you're good alright there we go I'm like yeah that's cool too I like that where it's you know just the grandpas and the, the you know the grandpas get out on the front porch and go alright these fucking young whippersnapper want to get their ass kicked so you know so I can put his pants on and gets out there and fucking beats up someone's ass or whatever it's great it's just yeah like you said it's dumb jock wrestling I, I just want more of it don't cheat how old is Daisuke Sakamoto <sighs> I think he's 38 He's 39. Is he 39? Wow. We're starting to get to the point with, like, the next wave of guys. Like, cheating time. Yeah, who are the... Oh, man, the problem is that there's not a wave after those guys. For years, we've been talking about Masato Tanaka, Masaki Mochizuki, and, and uh, you know, whoever us. Satoshi Kojima, Yuji Nagata, and guys like that. But it's like that next wave is coming. Sekimoto's 39. Okabayashi's 37. Yeah, what's Murafuji at this point? He's got to be 39, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. 37, yeah, 38, 39, somewhere in that he's range. He's got to be in that age range. Yeah, same, about the same age as Kenta. And Kenta's, what, 37, 38, somewhere in there. That's kind of the same generation as Sekimoto and Okabayashi. And it's like – and but, but Marafuji's a guy who has broken down, right? And that's actually – I'm glad you brought him up because Marafuji and Kenta have broken down. And they're clearly not what they were physically. But Sekimoto and Okabayashi, these little fucking – like fucking fire hydrant <laughs> – only all men who you would think would break down quicker right but maybe not because their bodies are more compact and sturdy but with the style that they've wrestled you think who knows you really can't predict this stuff you know and it's like uh, they they are still going as strong as ever I don't see any decline in Sekimoto or Okabayashi and Okabayashi is a guy who's had serious injuries too you know, and you never know how guys are going to be when they come back from a big time injury. But uh, those guys just don't lose a step. And now they're, you know, very soon they're going to be into their 40s. You know, time waits for no one. You know, all these fuckers. It's pretty crazy, Rich. Everyone gets older every year. I know. It's but not, not Masato Tanaka, though. Let's be honest. He has not gotten older. No. So I don't know he is an ageless human being that, that just. He doesn't even look any older. No, he looks exactly the same as he did in 2000. Like. In 1999, you thought and you saw this guy, and you're like, that dude's fucking dead in, like, two years. He's going to be brain dead. He's going to die doing whatever. And then you saw him in, like, 2004. You're like, I can't believe he's still alive, but he's going to be dying any minute now, or he's not going to be able to wrestle anymore. He looks exactly like he did in 2002. Yeah. He's got the same wrinkles. He still looks like shit. The good thing, like you always say, the the guys that look like shit when they're, like, 31 are good. They're golden. Because Masato Tanaka has looked like a broken-down old... 37 year old man for for 20 years now and that's perfect for him yeah and then he went through that weird phase where he got in better shape <laughs> right, oh yeah, right. he used to be pudgy like now he's like in tremendous shape yeah he's, he's like, like cut he's got a nice little yeah, he's, yeah where's the hell out of his he's gear fucking, he's benjamin button is what he is he's fucking moving backwards <laughs> it doesn't make any sense and he doesn't slow down and he took all those head chair shots to the head and everything when he was younger and 
you know, you watch some of those ECW matches with Mike Awesome, and uh, he just, how the fuck? What is going on? Like, prime candidate for CTE, but, you know, everyone's different. Maybe not, but, yeah, I don't know. Great match, tremendous match. Uh, one of the best tags I've seen all year. And then uh, a little further down the card, we had Suji Kondo versus Sugi. I would probably call this, for me, the third best match on the show. Uh, I really enjoyed this. And, you know, Sugi is a guy who has found a home. He's been in Zero One for two or three years now. I remember he signed that contract, I want to say, January 1st, 2018, I want to say, is when he signed with... uh, So this would be his... Going into his third year with the company now. And, uh, you know, again, they don't make tape tape a ton. But when they do, I always enjoy his stuff. Uh, One of the best and most innovative flyers uh, ever in the world. But one that doesn't get almost any credit because of the places that he's worked. And the long hiatus he was forced to take when uh, Nosawa Rangai wanted wanted to murder him. You know, none of that's made up, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> like literally murder him, not like you know. Yeah, people beat wanted him, him at a pro wrestling match. So, like, yeah, he, kill he, him. Had yeah. Dis- he had to disappear for a while because there was, uh, you know, his life was in danger, or at least his physical well-being. I'll say that. Uh, allegedly, you got to throw the allegedly in when you're in a, uh, doing a podcast, just so no one could sue you. So, uh, allegedly, when his life was in danger, I uh, had to disappear for a while, but he comes back. He's working for Zero One now for the last couple of years. He's keeping his nose clean. And uh, he has a match here with Suji Kondo, who, in a lot of ways, similar to Sugi. Like, you think about Power Juniors, and everybody immediately points to uh, Shingo Takagi, right? But, you know, Suji Kondo, one of the preeminent Power Juniors to also come out of that same era. But, um, you know, the falling out with the, 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 the you know, whole Toriyaman split and everything. And he ended up on. Um, you know the wrong side of that in terms of not being on the Dragon Gate side, where you're going to get more of the exposure. And mm-hmm. uh, but but again, a, another guy who you know, uh, in terms of a, a different kind of junior than Sugi, you know, who's who's a uh, you know invented spots that people still can't do other than him. And then you have Suji Kondo, who is more of a power junior. So you have two juniors here, but two drastically different kind of juniors, sort of from the same era, sort of who have had very similar career paths. It's a very interesting match. And um, Kondo went right after the knees immediately. So a good story, right? You want to cut out the legs of the faster, quicker, high-flying guy. And uh, that ultimately ended up playing into the finish. And I thought they had a really good, tight, little 10-minute match. I enjoyed the hell out of this. Yeah, I really like this one. And and and, and Suji guy who Suji's a guy who anytime I watch, I, I always I, – exactly like you said. You watch him and you go, yeah, this guy's great. Like he never gets – the credit he deserves and I don't know it's just like you said he's in the wrong places he's at the wrong time it just never quite felt like it was ever the right you know he's in Michinoku Pro when that's already kind of on its way down he's in you know zero one now when that's on its way down and doesn't make any tape he's just always kind of at the wrong place at the wrong time type thing and 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 you know it's really a shame because he is and even in this match even in, even after all these years you still see he does stuff and you're just like that's pretty cool like that's he reminds me a lot of and and, and I don't know as I was watching this, this comp kind of came in my head. I don't know if it, it might work for some American fans who, who, who might not know Suji or haven't seen him before. But he reminds me of, like, Jack Evans, where, like, Jack Evans always just added, like, a different rotation. He, like, even in, like, 2002, 2003, even when you watch Jack Evans today, he just does, like, a normal move, but he adds, like, a rotation to it. And you're like, that's ah, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, it's not unbelievable. It doesn't blow your mind, but you're like, oh, that's sweet. I don't see people do that very often. 
And that's kind of what Suji does. He'll do like, you know, a, a dive over the top rope, and he'll just kind of add like a different rotation to it. Or he'll just do it in a slightly different way than you're used to seeing. Everybody other, every other guy that dies or whatnot does basically the same dive and maybe does a little bit more spectacular, adds a little bit of flair to it or does a little bit. He does stuff that you like you've almost never seen before and he does it in such a way where you assume that he just gets in the air and goes, ah, I'll just do this with my body and then see what happens. And it works though. It may, it works for his style and it always has worked uh, for his style as well. So no, I like this and yeah, against Kondo was great too. Kondo's another guy that probably underappreciated as well. As you said, the power junior, the guy that's just, you know, he's a little brick shithouse, but he can fly and he can, he can do all, uh, everything he needs to do uh, as well to kind of take you down. So I thought the styles clash between those two was pretty good. And yeah, I, I really liked this. I was so shocked that this match was as good as it was. It came up and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I was going to skip right to the, you know, the, the, the tag match and the semi main event, but I was like, you know what? I'll watch this match, see what's up with it. And I, I came away really, really liking it. So definitely go out of your way to watch this one too, if you can. I mean, hell, you got nothing else to do. Might as well. Yeah, so um, some of the other stuff on the card. Uh, the opener was just a nondescript singles match with uh, Yuko Miyamoto defeating uh, Shoki Kitamura. I don't have a ton of thoughts on that at all. Um, eh, it was an opener on a, on a zero one show. I mean, what do you want me to say? It was fine. A uh, little two, two and a quarter star match. Um, then there was the eight-man tag, which I think is the one that you were planning on burying. This is the the match that I was going to bury. Um, um, but you might throw me a curveball here. You might bury the other tag. But, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> Take this one. So it's a Taru match. Anything with Taru is involved, and even if it's an eight-man tag, it's going to be dog shit. So we had Chris Weiss, uh, Raicho, who I'm not familiar with, Taru, and uh, Yoshikazu uh, Yokoyama. They defeated uh, Hide Kobata, Ikotu Hidaka, Takuya Sugawara, and Yuso Kobata. Uh, not good. Um, pretty ugly. This is what happens. On the lower levels of Puro in Japan, you're going to get matches like this on almost all of the shows, which are just a random collection of uh, old veterans kicking around, young guys who just aren't very good with no future, and uh, a bunch of jags, and then, um, you know, Chris Weiss. <laughs> he was who, there, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's a foreigner they use, and he got involved. I guess we didn't talk about... You know what was striking, though, after the main event, where they played the videos of, like, Shinya Hashimoto and they're playing all these old, uh, you know, zero one clips when like the company was hot. Yeah. And I'm thinking that kind of is counterproductive. It is. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, now, you know, now there's like, you know, quote unquote, 682 people in Cork and Hall. And I'm not even sure there were that many. And yeah, I know the coronavirus and everything, but still, it's not like it would have been, you know, swinging from the rafters otherwise for this show. But um, I kind of feel like it, 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 it made, it just it, it does more harm than good, and I know they're in a tricky spot. It's the anniversary show, you want to nod to the history and all that, but it's like, uh, man, it, 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 you remember that this was once a very hot promotion, uh, once upon a time, and now it isn't anymore. And then you know they did the big angle after the main event, you know where, where, where the heels came out, and then Hartley Jackson showed up as a big surprise and cleaned house, and it was nice and all, but man, it just lacked the fire and. The, energy that the old clips that they just showed had you know and i don't know it's kind of it's kind of sad in a way but um but yeah that was an eight-man tag that stunk and the only other match on the show was uh uh tawa iwazaki and uh sugu uh sugu takasato defeating the old dudes sanjiro otani and tatsuhito takawa i actually i skipped this sorry i forgot to mention i skipped this i okay. i saw I, I, otani and i was like eh, i don't really want to do this 
<laughs> Otani doesn't really do it for me either. Um, I was always a Kanemoto guy. But um, look, I hated this because the old guys fucking dominated yes. the match. And then the finish was stupid because then, like, the, the, the younger, you know, the young baby face then powers up and just, I thought they overcame the beating far too easily. And it just didn't work, and I didn't think it was a good match. So I didn't think the eight-man tag was any good. I didn't think this match was any good, especially the finish. And, um, you know, everything else was pretty – you know, everything else ranged from, from from decent to fucking go out of your way to see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you skip that second – I mean, the, the opener was solid. The eight-man tag was fucking horrendous. You can just skip that. Uh, third match on top, good. You know, pretty bad. <laughs> the, the other tag match, and everything else was good from there. So yeah, it's, it's an easy two-hour watch when you know, fifteen minutes of that isn't good. The rest is, is solid. So yeah. Well, I just told you everything to skip. Yeah. So you can even condense it down even further. But uh, that was the zero one nineteenth anniversary, and they're one of these companies that kind of has to just keep running, or else they'll cease to exist. So, uh, you know, no matter, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in Japan. You might be get this might become a zero one podcast. We might have to be a zero one. You know what? I'm down. I I I, you know, I like a little zero one. They just got to make some tape, but uh, I, I'll watch zero one. I'll take zero one. If if it's between Big Japan and zero one, I'll be honest. I take zero one over Big. Japan. Really? Well, yeah. that's a good transition because we're about to talk Big Japan, and um, I get the sense that um, maybe you didn't like this show very much. We're talking about the three three show very quickly before we talk about the three three show, and I'm just going to mention this quickly. Rich, you you've got the time. I need you to go out of your way to go back. It's on YouTube and watch the uh, Yuya Aoki versus Fuminori Abe Big Japan Junior title match from the February 11th show. Okay. You must watch this match. I reviewed it behind the paywall. Uh, skip that review if you want to go in unspoiled or whatever, even though I don't even I don't even think I give away the finish, honestly. But either way, skip the review. Um, must watch match. I mean, it is fucking awesome. So um, I will say that. We won't I won't talk about it though since you haven't seen it. But we're gonna talk about this uh this three three show, which was the opening night of the strong climb. I believe it was the opening night. It was. I believe that's the case, yeah. And there was also a tag team main event, which I guess we'll talk about first. Daisuke Sakamoto and Kohei Sato versus Yuji Okabayashi and Shigehiro Iri. Uh, I really thought this was a great tag too i didn't think it was as good as the zero one tag. i'd agree yeah a a, a few steps below that one which is i mean that's you know still a very good match but yeah i thought a few steps below the the zero one match yeah i went four and a quarter on this one uh i do respect that they went out there and worked a very hard pace though i mean they just from bell to bell i mean there was no rest here yeah i can't believe this match was 18 minutes i I actually went back and, and researching and getting ready for the show i went fuck that was 18 minutes it felt like it was 11 minutes because they just don't stop they just are they're running or tagging or doing something every second there is no downtime yeah so we'll skip the uh prelim junk you know the fluorescent light tube yeah, I don't, I don't uh, and tag and that's just it's garbage i can't yeah, sit through it it's just junk. um the six-man tag was i mean you know um wasn't death match but let's just talk about the strong climb stuff so uh look overall there was five strong climb matches on this show, and I thought they were all pretty good. You know, I I, I only, uh, you know, they varied in quality. I personally thought the uh, Ryuchi Kawakami versus T Hawk match was the best of the bunch out of the five, but I could totally see people going with one of the others. Uh, 
I thought Kawakami T-Hawk, that was notebook for me. I went four flat on that because I... Yeah, I like that match a lot, too. I'm right with you. I think that was my favorite. I thought T-Hawk was so good here. And Kawakami, look, the guy has no charisma. None whatsoever. But he's pretty good. Okay, he can work. The problem is he just he, he's, he's just a charismaless void. T-Hawk, on the other hand, this is a guy who we were writing off at the end of the Dragon Gate run. He's never going to make it. Uh, there, he's never going to be a top guy. He's never going to be a star. The best thing that ever happened to T-Hawk was that he left with Shima. Those guys have traveled all over the world. They've gone through all of the grimy Japanese promotions and, and done their invasions. And T-Hawk, his career has been his, – his career progression his, has just been so much better for it. I mean he is just twice the overall package of a wrestler – than he was when he left Dragon Gate. I don't know where you stand on that. I saw him on a uh, small indie show in Texas uh, the night after the G1 in Dallas, and he just was one of those guys that we talk about all the time where he just jumps off the page when you Mm -hmm. see him live. He's just a different quality wrestler than everyone else that was on that show. And there were some very good wrestlers on that show, okay, some major league wrestlers on that show because he's the night after G1, and Lance Archer was on that show, and um, you know, Barrett Brown, a guy who's in the LA Dojo, was on that show, and there were good wrestlers. I mean, Lindemann was on that show. I mean, and Lindemann too is another one. But uh, but uh, T Hawk is just he is so good, and it's like I understand like AEW they barely ever feature the strong hearts, and I know it's you know and they've told us directly it's because partly because of their schedule, and they would like to feature those guys more. But when they get the when this coronavirus thing passes, and when they get the schedule worked out for these guys. T-Hawk and Lindemann need to be on Dynamite every week having great matches. I'm not saying you push them to the moon. I'm not saying T-Hawk is going to be challenging Moxley for the world title on a pay-per-view. But they should be on Dynamite every week having the best match on the show and being an important mid-card act. And T-Hawk, I thought here, was great. Uh, and, and Kawakami held his own. And this was the best of the, ma- of the uh, five uh, strong climbs. So you like this one too? Yeah, I would. I would hundred percent agree with you. And you were talking about you know T Hawk and and the thing that really catches me is he just like the way he carries himself, the, the just the his in ring presence, and you can tell he's he's leading this match the entire way. This match is done at his pace, and you know Kawakami. I forget. I, I think T Hawk's twenty nine. I think Kawakami. I looked it up. Was twenty three or, or, or thirty three or no, thirty one, thirty three, somewhere in that range. I forget what it was. Thirty one, thirty two, thirty three, somewhere in there. It's like, thirty. 31. Okay, so he's not as, a little bit less than I thought, but like still the stark contrast between T Hawk, a man that just like the way he carries himself, the charisma, the way to get the crowd uh, invested, to be kind of the guy who runs the entire show, who runs this match. Like it is his match. You could feel it in there in that moment too, that he is the dude just kind of leading the paces here. And that would have never been a thing from T Hawk, you know, years prior. We talked about the Dragon Gate stuff where it was just he wasn't that guy. He needed to be led. And even when he was led, it just felt like he just didn't have it. The confidence wasn't there. All that stuff wasn't there. It's there now. He knows that he's a great performer wrestler at this point and sometimes it takes you know a little bit with these guys sometimes it takes a little bit and 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 you're absolutely right that when t-hawk's ready to get launched to the world and be, be able to kind of get back to wherever he was and get back to the you know the biggest spots that he can be in he'll be more than ready to handle it because he is he's good he's really really good right now and i'm really excited to see uh, what the future holds for him yeah so uh quickly the rest of the matches i mean if you want to talk about i mean i kind of buried kawakami a little harder than no he was good he was really good in this match and i've seen him before never been super impressed here i i, I thought he was really really good it's just t-hawk's just fucking great so it's hard to you know 
I mean, just like in terms of his charisma and stuff, I feel like I was a little too hard on him because then you look at because there's other guys in this tournament who like have even less charisma than he does. I mean, cause, uh, okay, so Quiet Storm versus uh, Kamatani, a good little you know opening match for the tournament. I thought Quiet Storm making his you know uh, uh, non, I guess uh, he's finally uh, no longer with Noah. So this was like his non Noah Japanese re debut. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, you know, debut in Big Japan. I don't know if he ever wrestled for Big Japan in the past, but people get the idea. But Kamatani's a guy. He's another guy who's a okay wrestler, but just rich, just zero charisma. I know. Just, this guy's a dud. I really thought he was going to be great, and he's just he's just not. He's fine. It's just, you know, that's an important part of wrestling, and it's he like... He needed to be that next wave guy. We're talking about, you know, your, your Sakamoto's getting older, your Okabayashi's getting older, those sort of guys. Like, he is one of those guys that we kind of thought was going to lead that next wave. He ain't it. No, I and so. I mean, it's not because he can't go. No, he's a great worker, but yeah, he's just like, you don't believe, you know, he doesn't suck you in when he's in the, yeah, whatever it is, that it factor, he just doesn't have it. Doesn't have it, and it's like, and it's like, you know, Kawakami, like, I think blows away Kamatani in terms of charisma, but it's like, none of them, and that's been a, it's a big problem for Big Japan. I mean, you know, it's, they, and they try all of these guys at the top, and it, it, there's a reason it doesn't connect, you know? But I think Quiet Storm fits in well here with these, with this, with you know some of the guys in this tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's good to see him get work. And I thought that was a that was a a perfectly fine match for the spot that they were in because that was the first strong climb match. Then they did the Kawakami T Hog match, which we talked about already. And then you had Yuji Hino versus Hama. And I feel like every time I watch Hama, he is bigger. Oh and my I'm, God, I, Joe! That is, I have a note right here that says mention that he. He is I, – I hadn't seen him in, in a while. He's like – and he's always been, you know, whatever Hama is. Yeah. He's like I, like – I don't like watching him anymore because it's like he is grossly, grossly, grossly obese. And it's like, dude, I don't – this isn't good. This is like Yoko in like 96 when you're watching Yokozuna in 1996 and you're like, dude, I don't I don't know. This isn't good. Like, And here's the problem. He's 40 years old. Right. Like you can do this gimmick and be 100 pounds less than he is. You know what I mean? Like you can be the big fat monster guy and, and do that at, you know – 450 and he's he's got to be god i i i can't even imagine what he is at this point i i just can't even fathom what his weight is at this point he is it, it's you, bad it's not good you're, you're scared for him yeah that's like i didn't i didn't enjoy this match at all because i just like the entire time i'm thinking that this man's gonna pass out and die while i'm, while I'm watching this match and that's it's it, it's bad it's not healthy i mean and and we saw with a few years ago aki bono once he got up in age and then he had all those health problems and now you know probably never going to wrestle again but more importantly what's going to happen you know and it, it's like you see writing on the wall here's guys 40 years old i mean i get it's his gimmick but like you said you can do it look at falaba he just dropped about 100 pounds right he's still doing the same gimmick and it's still effective and he's you know now he's got the tag team with tjp they're both you know they're doing the filipino thing and they have a lot of charisma together and um you know you don't have to be that big so I don't know. I just I worry for the guy um, because you know I feel like we had this conversation two years ago. I, I feel like we did this on this show, and here we are a couple of years later having the same conversation. Um, I mean the match was fine. I mean it, there was nothing wrong with the match, and Hino wins it. But uh, the, yeah, you can't. It, it's impossible not to think about. So and, Jake, and the, the other problem too is he can't like. I mean you, you kind of the matches now have to become like this. They're only one thing they can ever be, and I, I get it. That's kind of been his thing for a while. But because he's so grossly obese now, it's like you can't. The, the, the gimmick can only be 
you know, I run into you, I put my ass in you, and that's it. And that, I know that's kind of always been, but, like, it's even more limited at this point, too. So it's gonna, it's just, yeah, it, it's it's hard to watch. It really is. Yeah, you just worry about the guy's health, you know? I mean, it's, it's but, um, so next up, we had Jake Lee making his debut here in this tournament. Uh, impressions of Jake Lee, cocky outsider. I like it. I like I like it a lot better than Jake Lee, upstart, youngster, face, all Japan guy. Uh, this is a little bit better for him. This is probably where he needs to be. Is like cocky mid level outsider is probably the best spot for him. Because I liked it. I thought he was good in this match. I really did. Yeah. I forgot it was Jake Lee for a while. I was like, man, that looks a lot like Jake Lee. Oh, that is Jake Lee. Yeah. Like, well, he's going around because he felt like more confident. Maybe this is his personality. You know, maybe this is more what he is. Maybe he is more of a cocky douchebag than than you know a fiery you know baby faces you can rally behind maybe this is what he's always needed to be yeah um you know it, it, and again all these matches were pretty good i mean this was far from my favorite out of the five but um you know it, it's and he lost to the, the hometown he lost to the big japan guy did that surprise you at all because it's not like kakuda is like a top guy yeah no that did that really and, and again we'll see when the results end up like it, it i'm guessing that jake lee's probably on the top end of what you know what is he in the d block i remember there's only three matches because it's only four guys per block right so it's like but you lose you're kind of behind the eight ball right 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 i can't imagine i don't know yeah it's tough but i, I did not expect him to lose at all i'm thinking well jake lee he's a guy that just faced for the you know just just had a shot at the triple crown like a month and a half ago or whatever but yeah to lose was was pretty shocking maybe they're gonna do the kind of build you know break him down and build him up again <laughs> thing but maybe in a different i don't know in don't a three match tournament no no, no I, I mean like overall over the course of the year oh whatever, i see you know, you know he come, yeah, yeah. He, he's got to you know lick his wounds in other companies and then come back to all japan if you back i don't know but i, I kind of like this persona a little bit more than, than you know what he is in all japan i was a little surprised i thought that was a guy he would beat for sure though uh, you know especially first match new japan does that a lot with the g1 when the outsider is in the tournament you almost it's like you, you expect them to come out strong and win in the first match right you see new japan do that all the time so this was a bit of a surprising result and then the uh, fifth strong climb match was daishi hashimoto and yoshiki inamura from uh the young the young wrestler from noah who i am very high on um i call him a young wrestler only because in terms of uh of how many years he's been wrestling but uh, he's like 27 years old so uh but he, but you know essentially he was a rookie last year or the year before um but uh, yeah, Daishi Hashimoto, he obviously wasn't going to, as the Big Japan World Champion, um, he was not going to lose to some other companies, uh, essentially a guy who's, uh, you know, just a few months removed from being a young boy. So he picks up the win. And by Daishi Hashimoto standards, this wasn't that bad. I mean, this wasn't, oh, okay, so you didn't like it. Well, so I just, okay, here's the thing. It, it was fine, but I think I'm officially just absolutely fucking over Daishi Hashimoto. Well, no one can blame you for I that. I think he's an instant skip for me moving forward. It's terrible. He's, he's fucking horrendous. His The yell, oh, the, Joe the yell. Whoever oh. told this man, probably as a joke, you know what you should do during your matches? Go, rah, 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 the entire time. It's going to be great. It's going to work for you, kid. And he goes out there and he, 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 he looks like a fucking dork. Yeah. He's got the worst body you've ever seen. Yeah. Can you do a fucking crunch? <laughs> you know, can we get on the treadmill for a minute, the stair climber for a few seconds? So the, boor- the most boring work you've ever seen in your life looks yeah. like shit. Yeah. And then he screams the entire time while he's doing it. He looks he looks like a Streets of Rage character. And now he sounds like a Streets of Rage character. You know what I mean? Like you're in the you're yeah. in the streets beating guys up and you knock them down. They go, ah! <laughs> you know, after you're done hitting them. That's what he does. The whole match. 
I, I am so glad you're going on this tangent about his screaming and yelling. Rich, I know you haven't watched it yet. I watched the Big Japan show from 316. Okay, because of course Big Japan, one of the only companies still running. Because they have to, or else they're going to die. So. He has a title defense, because yes, they did a title defense in the middle of the strong climb. Because, you know, that's Big Japan, the worst booked company in the world. Uh, he has a title defense on that show against Daisuke Sekimoto. Don't so you tell probably, me. Don't probably, tell me. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, it's Daisuke Sakamoto. How bad could it be? Right. I could have a good match with Daisuke Sakamoto. Rich, it's so bad. <sighs> and the screaming. Fuck that guy. He sucks. The screaming is even worse because, listen, listen to this. They're in Yokohama Bunka, you know, holds about, what, 2,500 people, I guess, 2,200 people, whatever. There's nobody there. They claimed it was a crowd of 1,025, but you can literally count the amount of people there. Yeah. Like, I'm talking first row empty, and he's doing his screaming. And it's, it's echoing through the building. And you've got Daisuke Sekimoto. Who he taught does him to do grunts. that? Who taught him that? So you got Sekimoto's grunting. You have Hashimoto's screaming. The match is boring as shit. I mean, I went a very generous two and a half. <laughs> God, how do you have a two and a half star with match with Daisuke Sakamoto? I've seen people go lower because you know me. I don't go below two and a half. Right, I, effort. You give me a little bit of effort. I'm gonna. A bit I'm of effort. Gonna, yeah. All I want. If you give me a little bit of effort, and you don't blow any spots. I'm pretty generous on the bottom half of the scale because I really don't think I see a lot of really bad matches. But so that's a generous two and a half. I've seen people go lower, and this is with Daisuke Sakamoto. And, you know, he wins the match because he's, for whatever reason, they're pushing him as champ. I just, God. But, I mean, I didn't think the Inamora match was, I thought it was okay. I mean, by his standards, it was all right. Right. It, it, it's just like now I have this mental thing where like I just don't know if I can watch any of his matches moving forward. Yeah, it's just a little fucking three-star match, I thought. Yeah, you know? it's just, it's so annoying. I can't believe we're still doing the Daichi Hashimoto thing. I swear to God, in the show six years ago, we were like, this kid fucking stinks. Move on. I was still holding out hope that he would turn the corner, recapture that 2012 magic, but it's it's not ever going to happen. He feels He's like a guy. Worse. To- Is he intentionally being bad? Like I honestly, I I went to our Slack, our our, our the voice of wrestling Slack, and I said, "Is Daisuke Hashimoto trying to be bad?" Between the screaming and his penchant for head scissors, like he he just does head scissors <laughs> for like ten minutes straight and screams the entire. And I'm like, what is this? What am I watching? And it never leads to anything. Is it's this not supposed like to be good? Yeah. Is this like honestly? I think he's trying to be bad. I just think he's a guy who his dad was a legend, and he followed his dad's footsteps. Except in wrestling, he's not. He doesn't do what his dad does. You know what I mean? Like, no, not at all. And I just think his. I don't think his heart's in it. I think it's just the family business. You know, it's like, it's like the guy whose dad was a fucking lawyer or an accountant. That so he became a lawyer or an accountant, but he doesn't like being a lawyer or an accountant. Right. The funeral he, business is like notorious for that too, because it's like a big yeah. family business, and they never want to you know sell it. So like, yeah, the grandson's like, oh, fuck, I funeral business. Yeah, and that's clearly not a business for everyone, and neither is pro wrestling. And. I just feel like he feels like he has to do it, or maybe it's a situation where, well, because of my name, I'm always going to be given a spot, and I'm always going to be given a good spot for, for whoever's employing me, so it's easy money. I mean, that it could be one of those deals where he's just not very good at it but feels like he has to do it, or he's just sleepwalking his way through because he knows it's 
he doesn't have to fucking go work hard in a fucking factory or slave away in a cubicle. You know, I, I, or he just fucking thinks he's good at this and he stinks. That could just be it too. Maybe he's just fucking bad. You know, I, I, but all I know is I do not enjoy watching him at all. He is, uh, man, I can't. <sighs> is he the worst pushed wrestler in the world? I was just thinking about that. And it's like. There's, there's worse wrestlers, but there's not worse wrestlers that are pushed as like stars that are like title holding stars. Um, okay, who's worse? Daishi Hashimoto now or Jinder Mahal when he was SmackDown World Champion? I think it's Daishi. I really do. Jinder was real bad, though. That's tough. That's tough. See, Jinder couldn't even not trip over his own feet. Yeah, like, he was, like, not even, like, a baseline pro wrestler. So I think I would take Hashimoto. I, You know what? I Hashimoto has a notebook match for me this year. Let me let me find it. He, I've got my notes right here. I don't buy it, but hold okay. on. I, 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 yes, the match against Yuji Okabayashi on the second, the, the during the uh, New Year's week, I gave that four flat. Oh, uh, that was okay. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. Do you remember it now? I do. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. fine. But that's when the screaming annoyed me. But I was like, ah, whatever. It's still a very good match. Yeah, but I don't think Jinder could peak that high. So, but remember, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Right. You went to Jinder Mahal three years ago was the first one you brought up. I mean, like, I guess, like, the comp is, like, your Baron Corbin types or whatever. Oh, Baron Corbin's better than him. Yeah, I agree. Baron Um, Corbin's better than him. Um, Oh, well, I don't want to go there. Yeah, Um, maybe maybe it's a a stew on it for, you know, a week and we can touch on it. Or maybe people on Twitter, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter, if you uh, have any... Yeah, I mean, put, like, legitimately pushed as stars. Right, like, we don't want, like, a guy that's worse. Like, we know there are worse wrestlers, but, like, pushed as a champion, pushed as a star, pushed as the top of the company. Because that's what he is. He's the champion. He's, like, the top dude in the company. Yeah, don't, don't like, give me, uh, like, uh, just an example. Like, don't give me, like, Brandon Cutler. I, you know, he's not, he's just a job guy. You know, and I don't even know if Cutler's worse than him, to be honest. But don't give me that level of guy. We're talking about someone who's pushed and pushed hard. I, I yeah, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, there's always going to be your personal taste too, but um, but he's not good. And not, wait till you see the watch the Sekimoto match just out of. It, I'll do it. I'll do it for the good of the people. But the screaming is worse than ever, especially considering the environment. The main event of that show, by the way, is a death match title match. Uh, Ryuji Ito wins the title from Abdullah Kobayashi. One star from Joe Lanza. And I just described to you how hard it is for what me to a go show. <laughs> what a show. Man. I skipped the rest of it because it's all deathmatch bullshit and, and tags. Um, I, I heard some of it was good, but I listen, even in these times, <laughs> I don't have time to go watch. Fucking- right, you don't know how many more hours you have to live, and, and you don't want him spent watching, you know. I mean, the Ito Kobayashi match the bell rings and they immediately just break a bunch of light tubes and scatter them around the ring and then it's just two unskilled shitty pro wrestlers rolling around broken glass for 15 minutes until one guy wins right it was so bad so bad legitimately one of the worst matches i've seen in probably a year or two like this is fiend level bad this was worse than the fiend versus seth rollins it was it was it was horrendous no entertainment value 
unless you like just light tube spots over and over. No innovation. No sense of like the work isn't even good or, or highly physical. It's just two unskilled, shitty pro wrestlers rolling around broken fluorescent light tube scraps because they can't do anything else. And that's really what a lot of these deathmatch guys are. They're just shitty pro wrestlers who, not all of them, but a lot of them are just shitty pro wrestlers who can't do anything. So they do deathmatch. And that, it was just, it was horrendous. It was horrible. Unwatchable trash. So this turned into a Big Japan Bash session. Although I really love that, that Aoki fucking... Uh, Abe match. Yeah, I'm going to go out of my way to watch that one. I'll, I'll watch your Sakamoto uh, Daishi one as well, just for, for the purposes of this. But but going back to the 3-3 show, um, the 316, the top stuff on 316 is horrendous. But the 3-3 show, I thought uh, all the strong climb matches were at minimum, you know, decent little watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of them overstayed their welcome either. I mean, they were all like 10 No, they're in and out under 10, every single one, for sure. And, and, and the tag main event was really good. So that's a show that if people are starving for things to watch, I can recommend. I would give a recommendation to the three three show. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, if you skip ahead and, and and just jump in when the strong climb starts, I think you're good to go. Yeah, the rest of it's fine. Every everything after that point is fine. But I, I think I liked the zero one anniversary show a little better because it had two matches that I thought. Well, I don't know. I you know what? I don't know which show I liked more. I thought they were both good, solid pro wrestling shows with really great with one really great match each and one very good match each they were close but uh, I have bad news Rich what do you got Big Japan has cancelled some shows oh no even they even they <laughs> can't run anymore oh no so we've got results from the 320 strong climb there were three strong climb matches uh, Inamura uh, beats Kawakami that's kind of an upset I think so they both have two points Jake Lee beat Yuya Aoki the aforementioned Yuya Aoki and uh, Daisuke Sekimoto in the main event beat Asami Kodaka. So uh, that will air on April 2nd. Are you ready for... That was in Shinba first ring. 226 fans. Oh, boy. <laughs> I guess I am. Yeah, I guess. They're no, tough they times, man. Be- They're tough times. You got to do it, you know. Uh, but, I mean, you know. Uh, so that mat- that's going to air on the 2nd. Um, I'm- I'll obviously watch it. Why not? All three of those matches look interesting. There's some deathmatch stuff on it too, which I'll skip. Um, but yeah, Big Japan just canceled some shows, so I don't know if that's Corona or I mean, what else? Why else would they cancel? I mean, we're recording this on Friday afternoon when the news is breaking, so um, yeah, I don't have all the details. Yeah, I who knows? Saw it we'll find out maybe. Yeah, we'll find out maybe by the time most of you guys listen to this. But yeah. so that's your uh, zero one and and Big Japan updates and. Uh, Rich, I think we've successfully bounced around Japan. We bounced. I think we bounced around everything. So that is it for this week. Uh, VoicesWrestling.com uh, for all of our reviews, columns, all that stuff. Not much to review, but we got some cool columns coming up. Uh, we're, we're finding creative ways to uh, uh, get some content up during these uh, these tough times. But uh, VoicesWrestling.com for that. Uh, at VoicesWrestling on Twitter, where you can uh, listen, you know, 
send some shitty tweets to us that we can block or whatever. But uh, voicewrestling.com slash Discord as well. And the big thing, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. Plenty of stuff for you guys right now. I'm going through the ROH 18th Anniversary Collection and doing previews for each of those videos. November to Remember, a brand new one uh, this week. The news updates are, are invaluable right now. I mean, you, you might think that nothing's going on in wrestling, but almost everything. Like, there's so much to talk about every single day because new things are happening, new things are developing, new shows are being canceled, new things are being moved. So there's a ton of stuff going on here. So the news never stops. The the previews never stop. The retro content never stops. So we got you covered uh, at patreon.com slash voices wrestling. Now more than ever. Now we both will have a little bit more time uh, because I'll be working from home for the next uh, few days and, and weeks as well. So plenty more coming your way uh, at patreon.com slash voices of wrestling and at voices of wrestling.com. Anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Grace. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. <laughs>